You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 164 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. We are back with a brand new sloppy episode for you. Sloppy? So sloppy. <laughs> uh, this, uh, yeah. Um, I'm glad you found new adjectives besides exciting, but I don't know about sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> a juicy, juicy episode. <laughs> a dank episode. It's <laughs> one word I never understood. Like, well, you know, like I was never a pot guy. I never did the pots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How many pots are you smoking? I never smoked it like a cigarette. Um, so it's like, but from what I know from hanging out with a lot of potheads is that the worse that the pot smells, the better it is. So it's like, Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, dank was just a word I always associated with something bad. Right. But now it's good because dank pot is apparently good. Well, yeah. And if you post like dank memes on the internet. Right. <laughs> it always reminds me of this Craig Ferguson bit where he's like, I come from a country where damp is a color. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I love these trousers. Do you have them in damp? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like he... uh I mean, he he did a handful of um, stand-up specials. That, I mean, that were widely available, but not many. It seemed like, yeah. Um, but he's really funny. He is. Like, I, 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 I didn't really like him on the Drew Carey show. The, the character just didn't really do anything for me. Mister Wick was that his name? Sounds right. Um, and then I'm not really into his uh, uh, late night show. Is, if it's still on, I'm not I honestly sure. don't know. There's so many now. There really is, and I don't watch any of them. Yeah, me either. Like, I, if I could count how many times people are like, oh, did you catch Fallon last night? No. No. <laughs> um, I mean, since Letterman's gone, I don't care. I didn't even watch Letterman. Yeah, hey, you got any gum? <laughs> Just one of those greasy guys, you know. <laughs> are you enjoying your shrimp? <laughs> Jinx, yes. buy me a Coke. Never buy you a coat. Um, anyway, how'd we get here? Uh, dank. Dank. Dank was, <laughs> dank was the reason. Anyway, so we're here with uh, another episode. Just, um, you know, a usual thing. Yep, it's chugging right along. You know, like this, like a train. Like a train, yeah. Chugga, 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 choo-choo. What are we doing? Um... <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, we're still uh, living in that COVID world because we are COVID girls. Because we are American. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but, uh, no, we're still lucky enough to still like be able to record in person. So hopefully that, hopefully that you guys have been enjoying these episodes more. Like, I feel like I've been enjoying recording them more. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when I'm listening back to them to edit and stuff, I'm like, oh, that's some quality entertainment right there. If I, the flow is better. It, it definitely is. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as things stay stable ish, as long as we don't go backwards. Yeah. And, you know, I was telling you the, the other day, our governor said that there, there's been some forward progress. And, you know, a, a general decline that's, you know, providing some hope. Um, but whereas the state as a whole, our goal to where we could really say that, hey, we've really got a, a hold on COVID. You know, we've really wrangled this thing and, and you know, we've got it under control. It's supposed to be 25 cases per 100,000 people. New cases, right? I think it's just cases in general. Oh, yikes. Right now, we're at like 110 cases per 100,000 people. So basically four times the point we're trying to be. So we got a ways to go. Yeah. It's it's comical to me that people are insisting, like all the places, like our our state, for the most part, um, has like stores malls you know the ones that have actually reopened um you know places where people kind of congregate they've really like cracked down you know the governor put a mandate in place that you have to wear a mask regardless of where you are Mm -hmm. you know if you are in public you need to wear a mask it's not a law so it can't be enforced but a lot of stores like a lot of like i said places where people congregate they have enforced it because you know by and large these are public property places or uh, sorry private property places so they have the right to enforce that um i mean you've probably seen the news where people are like you can't stamp on my american rights like i don't have freedoms yeah you can't make me wear a mask if i don't want to it's like i can make you do anything i want if you're on my property (laughs) otherwise you have the american right to leave um but all the places where that's being like strictly enforced, cases have gone down. The studies show it. But there are still people out there like, oh, masks don't do anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, what do you want us to do? <laughs> um, I saw a post this morning where a person in Canada was saying that the the whole thing is a conspiracy because if everyone spends $5 on a mask, then they can obliterate the Canadian debt. I'm like, wait, I thought it was all a, a ploy to get Trump out of the white house. Like we can't even decide which conspiracy theory we're going to use. Jesus Christ. Well, it's like, you know, you've got as many assholes that we have in this country, uh, you know, Trump supporters for the most part. Um, well, not entirely Trump supporters are assholes. Um, they, you know, they have the same kinds of people in other countries, you know, in our, you know, our, our neighbor to the north, which as a country is probably most similar to us, you know, in Canada, they've, they've got, they may not necessarily be Trump supporters as we would recognize them, but they're still the same kind of assholes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, regardless of what country it's in, there, you're going to have people like that that are, 
conspiracy theorists and people are insisting that masks don't work. It's like, <laughs> the, the fucking science has shown that it does. So the woman who just run who just won the uh, Republican uh, primary for Congress or Senate in Oregon is a uh, proud, self-proclaimed QAnon supporter. Jesus Christ. And uh, they were doing an interview with her and she was like, what's this? And I was like, the hell are you talking about? And she's like, this, what's this? He's like, my mask. And she's like, yeah, they don't work. They don't do anything. And he's like, are you a scientist? And she goes, no, but I know how to read. It's like, okay, (laughs) read these articles by scientists. Yeah. Uh, boy, I just, you know, because the last election was such a shocker, (laughs) I'm not like, like, even though I feel like in my, you know, in my brain, I'm just like, oh yeah, Biden will win that in a walk. I mean, like there's, there's no way he could lose. I thought that exact same thing when, (laughs) when Clinton was running. And so, um, I won't be surprised by anything. But I am hoping with every fiber of my being that the American people, or that there are enough American people um, to, that, that are smart enough to, you know, right the wrong. And but, I, I will say there's a lot of people who, you know, on the left who don't like Biden. I'm not a huge supporter of Biden. Me neither. I mean, like. But people who are like. You know, yeah, I'm going to vote for him, but here's all the reasons I hate him. I'm like, maybe wait until November for that. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people who haven't decided, and right now you're pushing them the other direction. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got people that are, like, people that have been coming to known as, like, Bernie bros. Yeah. You know, even though they have, like, f- forced it in their mind that they won't vote for anybody but Bernie Sanders or somebody like him, um, that... It's 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 irritating that they like have this um, high and mighty attitude about them that it's just like okay well I'm not gonna vote for the the Democratic candidate because it's not Bernie and so if Trump wins again then it's not my fault it's like that's the biggest line of horseshit yeah that I've heard in a long time because it is your fault <laughs> because every vote that doesn't go in makes all the the you know those super ridiculous right uh you know right wingers that are voting for Trump makes their votes all the more powerful. Mm-hmm. But I mean like I, said, I mean like I said I don't it, I don't have a problem with people having a problem with Biden. I have plenty of problems with Biden, but vote for him, tell people to vote for him and then in J- in January of next year hold his feet to the fire. Mhm. You know, a lot of people are saying that, like, Biden won't even make it through four years, and basically we're looking at basically President Harris, um, which, again, she is far from my ideal, but I, w- I would vote for a flaming bag of dog shit over Trump. Well, yeah, at least a flaming bag of dog shit. You can put it out with your boots. <laughs> Just not your new boots. <laughs> Don't tell me my business, devil woman. <laughs> It's that poop again. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, this is all really dependent because we have this 
ridiculous. Anyway, we went and went to a tirade about uh, the electoral college last episode, so <laughs> won't won't do that again. But you know, it, it's it's really all dependent on how that how the dice roll on that because basically the electoral college has a stranglehold on our on our election. Yeah, um, and uh, there are enough people still in the southern states. Um, and you know the Midwest, and really, you know, there are str- small little pockets of, you know, Trump supporters, like really hard right, like QAnon supporting, ride or die Trump supporters that are just like in these concentrations in like little towns all over America. Yeah, but I'd say I mean the the biggest number of them are in the southern states and they still exist you know there, there may not be as many um because people have seen the last four years but you know there are people that have either not been convinced that trump is bad or has have been emboldened over the last four years thinking that he is like god's gift to to the earth you know yeah um but in you know the even like Republican run Senate committees are now saying that, oh yeah, Russia definitely interfered. Yeah. And the Trump campaign knew about it. Yep. They definitely knew about it. And it's like, so what what are we doing about this? <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> it's like, oh well, our bad. <laughs> um anyway. So Get out and vote, people. Yeah, please. Please vote. <laughs> There are, there are states in this country where the majority vote gets electoral votes. Mm-hmm. I feel like that needs to be all 50 states if we're not going to just completely do away with the electoral vote. But who am I? I want ranked choice voting so bad. Ranked choice? Yeah. Where you say, like, I vote for this person or this person or this person. And so then if, uh, say, your number one doesn't win, your vote goes to number two. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I wish... Well... I don't know. Like, the way... I don't know if this is the same way in other states, but I know in Washington, the governor election... It's it's not um, strictly one party or the other. Basically, the top two contenders yeah. that get the most votes in the primary go on to the election. Um, every year, that's always a Democrat, or you know, regard. So, Washington's had a Democrat governor for the last like thirty years, something like that. Um, so it's always like the Democratic nominee or the sitting governor and then the highest ranked Republican. Yeah. It's never been so bad one way or the other to where there hasn't been somebody in the top contention from the other party. So, but I, I feel like, like in my head, I want to say, I wish the presidential election would run that way or at least like Congress elections or congressional elections. But I, I'm I'm worried that it'd bite me in the ass. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that's enough. Uh, how's it going, Taylor? 
Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Not so bad. Not so bad. <laughs> What's new? Literally nothing. Cool. <laughs> Still just hanging out at home. Yeah. <laughs> like every weekend, she's like, "What are we gonna do today?" I'm like, "We can't do anything." <laughs> she's she's definitely that type. Like she's like that's something I've, I've I've learned about her. She like really wants to be out doing something active, which I can appreciate. I'm just like the polar opposite. Like I'm totally cool with sitting at home every day. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely something I noticed about her. Just, like there, there are definitely times where I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, go take the dog swimming or something. Mm-hmm. But like right now it's like, we can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I may have said this before, but you know, we, uh, we're not, um, super like outdoorsy people. I mean, we don't like go on hikes. We don't really make a habit of like going camping. We're not. We're not that kind of people. We're not that kind of couple. We don't go for runs or you know things like that. Um, but you know when we want to go out and we don't really know what to do, something we would just do because it killed time. It's like we'd go to the mall and just walk around, and um, not even necessarily buy anything. Just walk around because it was something to do. And now, yeah, like that, that's like the main thing that we would do when we couldn't think of anything to do, and we can't even do that. Well, we can. It's just not. She she went Not to the mall anymore. Well, she went to the mall semi recently, and apparently, like you know, like any other public place, they're limiting, um, you know, the the amount of people that can be inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on a smaller scale, each individual store is limiting the amount of people that are inside. So, like all the like popular stores, you've got lines outside their sure, doors, yeah. um, when you know, people waiting to get in. Um. And like, uh, oh, she went to the Lego store. That's what she was there for. And um, she said that like all the like the the displays on the floor. um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Lego store. I don't think so. Um, They'd have like, um, you know, little displays in the middle of the floor. It's like, hey, you'll buy this product. Yeah. But they don't have like, um, like you can make your own minifigure and... um, you know, uh, you know, little little play things for kids to to fuck around with while they're in the store and that kind of stuff. Apparently, that's like all gone. It's like it's strictly just the stuff on the walls. I think they're like encouraging you not to touch anything. Sure, yeah. Um, I think she said that you had to like go in and specifically ask what you wanted, and they would get it for you. Like I think from the back or something. So it's definitely definitely a, a different world we're living in. Yeah, but you know. I mean, so, Je- Jeff Bezos has made like $28 billion since the pandemic started. Yeah. Good for him, you know. Great. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, like um, something I never really thought that I'd miss so much was going to the movies. Yeah. Like, because I was never really a big fan of just sitting in a theater next to a bunch of people I don't know. It's, I mean, more so now. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the experience of going to a theater, you know, sitting down with a Tub, tub of popcorn and just you know watching a new movie um and it's like we can't even really do that anymore even though you see amc is trying to reopen um doing five cent movies yeah to try and get people back in the theater it's like i don't care if somebody is 20 feet away from me like i don't want to be in the same 
room as them with a bunch of recirculated air, you know? Yeah. If I'm the only person in the theater, then okay, yeah. Sure, let's yeah. Let's do that. And like the seat that I'm sitting in and like the the five adjacent to me have been all sterilized, then cool, we're good to go. It's so funny that like as many times as New Mutants has been delayed, now they're like, all right, it's finally coming out. And we're like, no, don't. <laughs> Read the room. <laughs> Uh, going out to dinner, I miss that too. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- that was kind of like our Friday night routine. We'd, you know, go out to dinner and maybe go see a movie or, you know, something. Um, but now we can't, we'll just like order something just because we don't really want to cook on a Friday night, you know, a- end of a long work week. Um, but yeah, just the experience of going out to dinner can't even do that anymore well again you can but you don't want to right yeah there's places that are doing like outdoor seating and stuff but it's like still i just i'm not i'm not ready yeah i don't think i will be ready like until either i'm vaccinated so i know i can't get sick or um or it's just gone like where it's like it's such a minimal concern that it like i it's basically like the world's back to normal which, Which from what they're saying, is never going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's like, you know... How'd you like to be that asshole that ate the bat that started all this? Well, like, I'm he, sure he's dead. He's but, probably dead. <laughs> probably died from coronavirus, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, but still, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck him in his <laughs> all the way stupid home. face. Uh, who eats a bat? Like, I don't care. Ozzy? What? Ozzy? <laughs> Ozzy's the only one allowed to eat bats. <laughs> I don't think even he would anymore. I mean, look what happens. Yeah. Start a pandemic. I mean, he probably like might do it on accident, because I don't think he knows where he is half the time. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know if you know the backstory to that, but uh, he thought it was... Like, he thought it was, that a was rubber, fake, right? He thought it was a yeah. rubber bat, but it was real. <laughs> Some uh, roadie was just laughing his ass off in the back. <laughs> oh, shit, he did it! I fucking got you, man! <laughs> Anyway, uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Like I have had this massive headache all day long and I'm really trying not to let it affect me, but it's affecting you. It's affecting me. <laughs> it's like I have just like this giant clamp on my head. That's also like pulsing like it like it'll get tighter and then loosen. It's that, it's that kind of thing going on. Lovely. Yeah. <clears throat> so before we go any further, <laughs> let's take some time to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. These lovely folks uh, contribute to the show financially and uh, help us keep things running. We don't have an expensive show here, but it does cost money. Uh, you know, things break. Um, websites cost money. That kind of shit. And, you know, it's nice not to having to pay it entirely out of pocket. So I uh, want to thank Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory yeah, B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, and Bob Voorhees. Thank you so much, guys, for all of your help. Uh, it does go a long way to keeping us going. Um, 
Taylor, if anybody else wants to join this little shindig, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1. You can get exclusive content. Uh, and there's different tiers. If you give $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. Yeah. And like, we're, I'm working on getting through the backlog of video reviews. I kind of set this this goal that I was going to be putting out a video like during our off weeks. Like every week that we didn't put out a show, I was going to put out one of our old video reviews. Um, and I tried to get it done this past week, but I was just so fucking busy with work and stuff. So didn't happen, but I'm actually taking this coming week off from work. So hopefully yeah. I'll get something done. So there we go. Cool. Anything else you want to cover before we jump into things? Uh, I mean, I just want to throw out the obligatory. Uh, remember that the Great Plot Film Fest submissions are now open for all uh, horror short films. 15 minutes or less from around the world. Head over to greatplotfilmfest.com to submit. Uh, also, we're looking for sponsors. I know it's it's a hard time for businesses right now, but if you would like to sponsor the event, uh, head over again to greatplotfilmfest.com. Yeah. There's information there on how to do so. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked before, that it's it's looking more and more like we're going to be doing this uh, virtually this year, um, just because of COVID and also our usual haunt is um, uncertain. Uh, do you see it's officially up for sale? I did not. Yep. As of this morning. Damn. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, they're, they're, the theater is trying to buy it. So, I mean, we're, we're going to hit you guys with a, uh, a fundraiser for this theater at some point, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a long stretch and we don't really know where they are currently as far as fundraising, but yeah. But no, I mean, you know, the Arc Lodge and the, and the folks there, they've always been very accommodating for us and very helpful. Um, you know, we, we went to them with no history of running any kind of fest- festivals or anything. and um, But, you know, they were more than willing to take us in and, and work with us and, you know, help us put on a great show uh, for two years in a row. And, you know, we want to do what we can to help them. Um, so, uh, but you know, the way things are right now, yeah, so it's looking like it might be a virtual, uh, festival this year. Um, but I think we're probably still going to run, a uh, an Indiegogo at some point just to raise funds for everything that we need to set up virtually. And also, um, you know, and, and you know, you talked about it, uh, being worldwide submissions. That's something that's a little different this year too, is now, people from around the world can watch the festival. That's true. You know, we were previously limited to people in the Seattle area, uh, you know, only up to what was like 200 people. Um, But now we can be accommodating to how many people want to come. Just got to figure out how we're going to (laughs) charge. Yeah. Because like, you know, our ticket prices were 12 bucks a head, which is, pretty reasonable for uh, was it four hours of film um and free beer and, f- and yeah free beer um but uh yeah i don't know because like it doesn't seem fair to charge people per head 
when they're watching it at home. But at the same time, it's like if we charge 12 bucks for a room full of people that we're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of shorting ourselves on that too. So, yeah. I don't, like the more I thought about it, you know, when they started doing these at home releases of new films um, and charging 20 bucks for it. It's like, that is outrageous to pay 20 bucks for a fucking VOD to rent a VOD film. And I'm like realizing it's like, oh, well, also they don't know how many people are watching it. Yeah, at that's the same less time. than the price of two movie tickets. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. But um, yeah. Do you want to talk about this other thing? Um, I mean, I, I initially was going to do a story on it. Then I realized there is no news. But apparently um, uh, Morgan Creek is remaking The Exorcist for a theatrical release in, two, in 2021. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> It's like I don't I don't really know what they're doing. They're saying it's a reboot. And like that is such an ambiguous term. I don't even know what the fuck to expect. Are they rebooting the whole franchise? I mean, is it just a new It's like, yeah. That's one of those movies that you don't fucking touch. Like I know they yeah. made the TV series and it did well. But like it's one of those movies that you can't make better. No. Yeah, that's 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 the reason it's never been um, you know, remade. Uh, I can't can't say it wasn't remastered because it was. Yeah, and what they added in like extra scenes that were cut from the original mm-hmm. cut. Um, but you know, just nobody's dared to fuck with it in forty years. You know, and it's like, why would you start now? Well, yeah, even when they <laughs> no, like, sorry, made, fifty years. Even when they made the TV series, they were like, well, it's not a remake. It's a, a different story in the same cinematic universe Mm -hmm. it's like okay well that's different then i guess yeah Uh, it's like yeah if it i feel like that's like the holy grail of horror like that that's the one that you just don't fuck with oh even if you don't think it's the best horror movie ever it's it's just it's it's the fucking exorcist it's a fucking legend yeah like (laughs) yeah i don't like as long as this term reboot's been around, like I still don't fully understand it, because it's like if they're taking, the, uh, if they're creating a new story within that same world, that's a sequel, right? Regardless of whether it has anything to do with the previous movie or not, it's still a sequel. And then if they're taking the original story and changing it, regardless of how much, whether it's a word for word, scene for scene remake. Or they take the general story and do something slightly different with it, or dramatically different. That's a remake. That's a remake. So what the fuck is a reboot? To me, a reboot is like, I know, I know this isn't how they use it, but to me, a reboot is a sequel to a long dead franchise. That seems like a fair assessment, yeah. Yeah, like you're bringing the franchise back. You're rebooting the franchise. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, they called, um, I don't, I don't think there was ever really like a, f- like a solid definition, like, um, for evil dead. Like some people called it a reboot. Some people called it a remake. Some people called it a sequel. There was like, it was referred to as all three things. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess it could technically qualify as all three. <laughs> Although there was, even though it was never really solidified there was it was believed to take place in the same 
kind of universe as the original films. Mm -hmm. It was just a modern day story. Um, but there was no real firm connections to that. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, but you know, they made the show on Fox, which I, I personally couldn't really get into it. Um, I, I tried to watch like two, three episodes and it's, it wasn't really working for me. But, you know, a lot of people really loved it and they canceled it anyway. Um, but it's like, that's different. You know, you're not trying to remake a classic film. Right. Um, so I don't really know what to expect from this. So anyway. Also, I didn't realize Morgan Creek had the rights. The studio behind Major League. <laughs> uh, who made it originally? I can't even. I mean, it, it may have been. Has Morgan Craig even been around that long? I don't know. Doesn't really make make a difference. But anyway, you want to get on with things? Hoya Productions. Hoya. Hoya. Never heard of them. <laughs> Me neither. Distributed by Warner Brothers. Oh, okay. Well, I think Warner. I think Morgan Creek is a Warner company. Are they? I think. I remember Morgan Creek like buying up a bunch of assets recently and being like, "Yeah, we're going to remake all these." It's like, oh, <laughs> I feel like they were they were going to remake Ace Ventura. Oh no! And I think there was talk of re remaking Major League too. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, the Indians still suck, so. <laughs> Just make it about the Mariners. <laughs> Got him. But then, like, they'd like, be putting hope that the Mariners could actually win. Yeah, when we signed Charlie Sheen. <laughs> we, we, we don't have a Ricky Vaughn. I don't think Charlie Sheen would pass the wellness check. <laughs> That's true. He's full of tiger blood. <laughs> Probably cocaine... Doesn't he? Have, he has HIV too, doesn't he? Does he? Doesn't he? I don't know. I feel like, like a couple I stopped years. listening to things about Charlie Sheen a long time ago. Yeah, fair enough. Like, who knows what's true anymore? <laughs> he may like literally have tiger blood. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Wesley Snipes is insane. Tom Berenger, he's old. He's an old guy. Yeah, like he he probably couldn't get into the catcher position anymore. Probably not. Isn't Lou Brown the guy that played Lou Brown dead? Probably. He was old as fuck when the original came out. Yeah. All right. Want to do some horror business? Okay. You know, when you hear about you know, stories about like uh, these terrible bugs like murder hornets murder hornets uh and you know just like uh bugs that like will suck the insides out of other bugs or animals even you know it's like oh those go that happens in other countries not our problem <laughs> but i tell you I tell you gang we had murder hornets for a minute we still don't we still have murder hornets i thought they got rid of the murder hornets i don't know they're terrible things 
They're yeah. scary as fuck. They have murder in the name. <laughs> you, don't just, you don't just get that. <laughs> we were uh, had my family over the uh, yesterday, and we were talking briefly talking about murder hornets. My dad, he's like, "Have you looked at one of those things? Heads? It's enormous, and it looks like it's like scowling. <laughs> like it looks like it has eyebrows that go like this." <laughs> um, but uh, you know. Every once in a while, those uh, those bugs from other countries make their way to the U.S. to terrorize us all, as if we didn't have enough problems. Right. As if we don't have enough going on in 2020. <laughs> um, but according to uh, CBS News, zombie cicadas have been spotted in West Virginia. So there you go. Uh, zombie cicadas are infected with a fungus called Massapora. Or massaspora, spore because it's a fungus. Got it. Uh, that essentially will just eat their brain and their body, but first their brain. Yep. Um, uh, a study recently published in PLOS Plus Plus. Um, Plus pathogens. I, maybe I'll, I, I assume that's like a scientific newsletter or something or a magazine. Um, compares the transmission of massaspora, uh, known as the active host transmission AHT, to that of rabies. A peer-reviewed open access medical journal. Journal, that's the word I was trying to think of. Um, I have no idea what PLOS stands for, if anything. <laughs> and, you know, rabies, anybody that's not familiar with rabies, essentially what that does is, it, like, it, 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 I think it attaches to your spinal cord and goes into your brain causes brain swelling and like just like degradation of the brain in general so that's if it operates like that that's 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 terrifying um so what this does is when it when a cicada specifically cicadas which are already just awful bugs (laughs) they're huge they make a terrible noise and when they fly by your face, you want to shit yourself. <laughs> um, uh, but when a male cicada becomes infected with the fungus, it will start mimicking the wing flicking behavior that is typically exclusive to female cicadas. Uh, other male cicadas will be lured in, thinking it's a female cicada wanting to mate. And then once said cicada tries to come in to fuck that's when the tables turn <laughs> and the infected cicada will then try to transfer the fungus to the other one so it's i mean it's, it's zombies it's, it's a zombie it's the, virus this, this is how it works in the <laughs> movies like i mean we don't have really like like zombies don't pretend to be fe- females <laughs> At least in in films that we've seen, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, maybe that's some untapped territory as far as filmmaking goes. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody write that. Um, Silas, write that. <laughs> uh, the massaspora will then start to eat away at the cicada's abdomen from the inside, filling up filling it up with yellow fungal spores. Not only will the now zombie-like cicada lose half its body to the ferocious fungus, 
but it will be brainwashed and tricked into performing female mating rituals in order to continue spreading the virus. That, I feel like this is like downplaying this really fucking intelligent virus. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that just this fungus, these spores, is infecting this insect's brain in order to make it pretend to be a female to lure other insects in just to infect them. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's hella fucked up. (laughs) Um, uh, Think of it it as a living death. Um, The cicada will still continue to exist, but in a mutated form. (laughs) Um, The spores that form in each cicada's abdomen can be dropped under other cicadas to further transmit the disease. So it could be spread in two ways. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, what if this mutates? And like, starts affecting... Do we know that Massaspora doesn't affect humans? Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? Someone needs to tell me. <laughs> <clears throat> this is now my biggest concern in life. <laughs> you know, like, this shit is, like, fucked up. I mean... You know, obviously it's a big enough deal to write an article about it, but this is like needs to be attacked aggressively (laughs) because especially, you know, with COVID going around and people talking about it mutating, um, you know, I think I've talked before, like that's why they can't really nail down HIV because it's constantly mutating. You know, when they, if they were to come up with a cure for a certain mutation, for the virus or for HIV, you know, there, another one pops up. It changes almost from carrier to carrier. And like, what if that happens with this? Yeah. And what if it starts mutating to where it can infect humans like coronavirus? What if somebody eats one of these things? People eat bugs. Yeah. Why wouldn't people eat cicadas? My dad was. My dad works for a, a local. Um, I ate crickets at the fucking Mariners game. Well, there you go. I mean, don't eat bugs. What if a cicada snuck in there? My dad works for a local uh, dairy company, and uh, he uh, was telling me the other day that I don't know their science team or something has somehow developed some kind of worm that basically eats cow shit to limit the the amount of uh, off-gassing from their from from their shit. So it's kind of reducing emissions or you know, methane emissions. Um, and you know what he's telling me about this, I was just like, that sounds like it's like a couple steps away from mutating into something that can get inside the cow and eat it from the inside. And it's just like and then we eat that. Yeah, in our burgers. And then it's just mad cow disease all over again. Except worse. Worse. It's because now we're dying from the inside. Matter cow disease. <laughs> matter cow disease, even matter. Um, so apparently, since they can like drop it on other cicadas, uh, they are referred to as <laughs> flying salt shakers of death. That's terrible. <laughs> also apt. <laughs> Ah, uh, man. This is a nightmare. But, I mean, apparently this has been going on for a while. 
There are videos from 2015, but it's just now making its way to America. Neat. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we had COVID, murder hornets. Why not zombies? We got crystal daggers. (laughs) Maybe that's what the crystal daggers for. (laughs) How how do you kill a cicada with it? It'd be very precise. I don't know. I don't understand magical weapons. Maybe it shoots a laser beam. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the moral of this story, guys, is that um, just because a girl is shaking her ass at you <laughs> does not mean you should have sex with her because she might be a zombie and also a dude. Uh, or a cicada. <laughs> or, or a cicada, sure. Sisters, sisters. There were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Caring, sharing, every little All right, so going back to the subject of remakes, uh, they are remaking David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers as a TV show over at Amazon. Uh, this no, is just a matter of time. This is the brainchild of Rachel Weiss who is going to executive produce and star in the series. Of course. Uh, this is a reimagining. It's another new term with a gender swap, obviously, since the original was Jeremy Irons. <laughs> uh, Amazon is given a straight to series order. So this is happening regardless. Whether you like it or not. Uh, it's written by Alice Birch, who is the lead writer on Hulu's Normal People. In Dead Ringers, the Mantle Twins, both played by Weiss, are the most successful, brilliant, and extraordinary people you've never met. Identical from head to toe, these two OBGYNs are on a mission to change the way women birth, starting with Manhattan. Drugs, pioneering, but very much illegal medical research, sex, and falling in love, this drama based on the David Cronenberg 80s cult classic takes us to darker and stranger territory than we could have possibly imagined. Yep. Have you seen the movie? I don't know. I don't think I have. I'm not sure if I ever not. Like it's the, if it did, it didn't stick with me. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. But it seems like something I could have seen at some point. I do like Cronenberg. Yeah, but you know, who knows? Like I said, the original star Jeremy Irons uh, as twin gynecologists who take full advantage of the fact that nobody can tell them apart until their relationship begins to deteriorate over a woman. Like other classic Cronenberg films. Dead Ringers plays with themes of sexuality while also intertwining psychological and physical visuals. Meaning gross shit. Yeah, body stuff. <laughs> He's a body guy. <laughs> He's into pustules and extra limbs and shit. Yeah. Pus and oozing things. Yeah. Sticky stuff. <laughs> Uh, this The series is said to have a different tone and explore themes like women's health and the issues it faces, including underfunding. Okay. <laughs> sure. This is the original or the show? The, the show. Got it. Uh, like I said, this is the brainchild of Rachel Weiss, who is a fan of the original movie. She partnered with Annapurna TV, and then Birch was brought in to write the adaptation on spec. The project has been in development for about two years and was pitched to streamers via Zoom during the pandemic, and Amazon immediately jumped on it. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think we're both kind of at a loss because, like, you've never seen Dead Ringers, and if I have, I don't remember it. So I'm going to, like, err on the on the side of safety and say I probably haven't seen it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have an opinion on this. No, I mean, you know, God, has Rachel Weiss even done horror? I, I mean, I, I don't know. Calling this horror is a bit of a reach. I, that that much I know about Dead Ringers. Um, aside from like the visuals, I like the story. It doesn't seem very horror oriented. No, not really. But again, I'm just making assumptions here. Yeah, we're just going off this little blurb. I mean, she was in The Mummy, but I don't know. I don't think that counts as horror. Not really. Um, neat. Yeah. I guess keep an eye out for that on Amazon. Yeah, man. Don't you think it's time I let you know? So, um, Zack Snyder returned to the zombie realm with a film called Army of the Dead. It's going to be a uh, Netflix original. Um, I don't remember who all was in it. We, we talked about it on the show previously, right? Batista is in it. Batista. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, but you know who else was in it? Fucking Chris D'Elia did. Fucking Chris D'Elia? Um... And those of you that have had your ear to the ground about recent developments in in, in the world, Crystalia kidnapped has... Uncle Larry. <laughs> <laughs> he also apparently likes to touch women uh, without, or is it little girls? It's little girls. Little girls. Uh, I, mean, I was going to say without the permission, but I feel like the pa- fact that it's little girls is maybe more important. Yeah, I don't think permission is really. Uh, a deal breaker. It's not there. a consideration with with underage children. Yeah. Um. Uh, so he's basically just been canceled. And you know, like you hear a lot of people, mainly on the right, complaining about cancel culture. But sometimes, sometimes you just gotta cancel someone. Yeah. Um. I keep reading these things, and it's like, oh, cancel culture doesn't exist. And I'm like, well, then where is Louis C.K.? Yeah. He like, like he like put out that special, and people were like, "I'm not fucking watching that." <laughs> it's like, dude, what do you, you think you can? Do, you think you can do that? Yeah. <laughs> you think you're like there the, already? The whole problem was you doing things that people didn't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even fathom sitting in a room with one woman, let alone multiple, and me just sitting in the corner. Having them awkwardly watch me jack off. Like, I can't picture that. Yeah. Watch me do me. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so Chris D'Elia, he's he's done. The whole world's done with him. Um, so, uh, but he was in this movie. Had a fairly prominent role, I believe. Um, so, uh, Netflix, who's already f- completed the film, uh, is going back for some reshoots, replacing Chris D'Elia, replacing him 
Sure, that's happened before. Yeah, they replaced was it Kevin Spacey in that one movie? Yeah, um, with Christopher Plummer, which you know, upgrade. Right. <laughs> I would call this an upgrade too. Sure, it's it's, it's strange. Yeah, but they're replacing him with Tig Notaro. Now, Tig Notaro is a very funny comedian. The catch is that she's a woman. Right. So they're just completely gender swapping a role in a film that's already completed. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea what the role is. So it's obviously it doesn't matter what the gender is. I, I guess not. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I said that he had a prominent role and it may just be prominent because people know who he is. Um, don't know if he's like a main character or not. Yeah. But. I mean, no idea. But to replace one well-known comedian with another, you got to figure it's going to be a pretty you know, hefty role. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, due to actors being already dispersed post-filming and due to the pandemic restrictions, the incorporation will be a combination of techniques from actually reshooting scenes opposite an acting partner, partner using green screen and CG technology to blend her in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- this is, you know, we talked about Hollywood kind of slowly reopening, you know, several episodes ago and, you know, making changes about how they do things like, uh, you know, not doing a lot of, uh, like location filming and that kind of stuff. So where they, they can keep it in a very controlled environment. I think this is going to be like the future of Hollywood here. Yeah. Um, until we can, you know, be certain, you know, whether through a vaccine or, or whatever, that, you know, two or more actors in a scene are completely clear of COVID, that we're probably going to see things like this, you know, shooting remotely using green screen. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, DC, uh, DC Comics, did uh, this online fan convention um, is kind of their response. The fandom. The fandom, yeah. Uh, it's kind of their response to not having San Diego Comic-Con or even New York Comic-Con, for that matter, which I think is supposed to be next month. Um, but uh, anyway, so they filmed the entire thing digitally. Like, all the panels were all done through Zoom, as you'd expect. Um, it's kind of like how they did... Uh, comic-con at home except this was just dc exclusive um but it's funny because it was hosted by aisha taylor or tyler sorry um and uh they were her and the person she was like talking to were in like this virtual uh they called it the hall of heroes it's supposed to be basically like the the justice league's like space um uh command center but um, they're all like kind of standing in it, and it's all CG, obviously, all green screen stuff. But it's funny because they have Aisha Tyler and Matt Reeves, who's the person in mind I'm thinking of, the guy who's directing the new Batman movie. They're standing right next to each other, but you can tell by the way they're interacting that they're not in the same room. Oh, because um, you know it's very clear that you know they're they're addressing the audience. But then they'll look to their sides. So it's very clear that they have each other on a monitor to the side. Um, so it can look like they're actually standing next to each other and addressing each other. So I feel like this, that kind of stuff might be more and more common over the, at least in the next couple of years till things kind of get wrangled. Like the WWE Thunderdome. Yeah, you, you mentioned that 
like I don't really understand what what's going on. So basically, inside the Amway Arena in Orlando, uh-huh. they built a smaller little arena, for lack of a better term. It's just, it's like this little dome, and there's like LED screens all along it, and then there's rows of LED screens that go around it, and those ones have fans who are basically watching like a Zoom call. Okay, and they basically they just watch the episode on their computer, and then their face is showing on TV. Okay, so it's kind of like what professional sports are doing with the cardboard cutouts, except it's like screens. Yeah. Got it. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess. It is, but watching it, it's very distracting. because you've Oh, got, they're already doing it. Yeah, they, okay. they started on Friday. Because um, you've got, you know, each little square, and it, everybody's got different colored walls behind them, so it's just this hodgepodge of different colors and okay yeah i guess i can see that yeah oh yeah i've only seen pictures i haven't watched it in action um there's also apparently apparently there's like a 10 second delay so they can make sure like no one whips their dick out or anything sure but it seems really weird it's like somebody hits their finisher and then 10 seconds later people are like oh (laughs) i don't know if they edit the sound or something or Mm -hmm. buffer was on it buffer got in the thunderdome Oh, yeah? Yeah, apparently he got kicked out for not paying attention. <laughs> for not paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to the show enough, so they kicked him out. That's stupid. How could they even focus on one tiny little screen enough to notice that he wasn't looking? <laughs> they probably have a, a team of people. You're also not allowed to wear any shirts other than WWE or blank. I, yeah, that makes sense. So, like, you couldn't wear, like, a Yankees hat. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they they... They'd probably get sued for that. I mean, if somebody wears it to the arena, what's the difference? They won't put it on camera. Sure they will. If somebody's sitting right in front of hard cam and a Yankees hat, you think they're going to... I don't know. There's been people sitting on hard cam and whack shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Was it Max? No. Oh. It was in Everett, but it wasn't. Um... Anyway, but yeah, so this is, uh, I think, just going to be the future of Hollywood. Um, but uh, the movie takes place in Las Vegas, um, says Zack Snyder. Um, a zombie plague hits Vegas, and then they're able to contain the virus to the city. Uh, they build a wall out of shipping containers, and then the city falls, and six years later, one of the casino owners hires this group of zombie soldiers to go get his money that he left in a safe in the casino. I'm sorry. Did you just say he hires zombies? Yep. That, that would entail... That's two, the army of the dead. That would entail two things. Uh, one, that zombies can be told what to do. And that zombies have any need for money. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, if if you're like in a Z Nation type world where, you know, zombies are cognizant, then, you know, sure, but Z Nation was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of sounds dumb, honestly. You know, I historically, and, you know, this is like to, to step back to a fandom again. Um, I don't know if you heard, but Zack Snyder is... Releasing his cut of Justice League. Oh, yeah. Which everybody is just so 
over the moon about so hard about they're so insistent that this is going to be so much better than the one they released in the film in the theater which i have a really hard time believing because <laughs> just because you make a movie two hours longer doesn't mean you're making it better remember when halloween 2 came out and everyone the rob zombie one everyone's like this is dog shit yeah and rob zombie was like well this isn't my cut here's the director's cut and people went this is not any better <laughs> yeah this is the same th- stuff <laughs> that we saw before. Um, but it's, I was talking with a bunch of people in this this Discord channel that I'm that I'm a member of, and we were talking about Zack Snyder's film or you know his his cut of Justice League. I was like, how disappointed is everyone going to be when this is not any better? Yeah. Um, and it's like I historically have liked Zack Snyder. Like I liked uh, Dawn of the Dead. I liked Man of Steel. I liked 300. Um, but Justice League, for as much or as, as little as he may have had to do with the final cut, was shit. <laughs> and Batman versus Superman was shit. So it's like I have a really hard time believing that just because he's releasing his vision of how this movie should have been, which is apparently four hours long, uh, I really have a hard time believing it's going to get any better. And so this sounding so stupid <laughs> conceptually makes me worry that not only is this going to be bad, but Justice League is too. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I've, I've historically been a fan of Zack Snyder, um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not really holding out much hope for this. Yeah. Sounds sounds dumb. <laughs> but we'll see. Like I don't know when it's coming out. But uh when it does, maybe maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. We I mean we got that week of the zombie thing. We Is it coming out this year? No, but I mean like we do that every year. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll always need zombie movies. <laughs> All right, so I mean, we've we've talked about every fucking Stephen King adaptation that's ever been made, which is a lot of them. So many, uh, and it sounds like maybe they might be running out because <laughs> they're like, "Hey, what about that R.L. Stein guy? Let's start making his shit." <laughs> Remember R.L. Stein? Uh, turns out the entire trilogy of Fear Street books will be coming to Netflix in a series of movies. Was that only a trilogy? I thought that was a series. Maybe it was a series, but there's a trilogy coming out. Okay. (laughs) Um, Netflix has reportedly made an agreement with Disney to pick up a trilogy of films based on the Fear Street series. Okay, so there's a series. Set in the spooky town of Shadyside. Okay, well, I was just going to say, like, what branch of Disney picked this up? Because Disney basically owns the entire world now. But when they say spooky town of Shadyside, I kind of figure it's just plain old Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Netflix has acquired three Fear Street movies and is, repl- <laughs> is planning to release them a month separate from each other throughout the summer of 2021, which will be referred to as the Summer of Fear. Hold on. 
Okay. I think we can all agree that this has been the summer of fear. (laughs) We've got zombie cicadas and murder hornets and a worldwide pandemic (laughs) and a megalomaniac president all at the same time. (laughs) It's too much. Uh, Yeah. He even tanked the fucking economy, which was supposed to be like the one thing that he was going to be good at. He's like supposed to drain the swamp and he just put more fucking bog creatures in the swamp. <laughs> bog creatures. <laughs> like Kellyanne Conway. Uh, yeah. Uh, all three movies are directed by Lee Janiak, who directed The Very Good Honeymoon. Uh, and it's co-written by Janiak and Kyle Killen. I think they're the, the the duo that wrote Honeymoon. Okay, okay. In, that was the one we watched semi recently, right? Yeah, we, it was one of our Valentine's Day episodes. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, in the first Fear Street movie, which takes place in 1994, in the aftermath of a brutal tragedy in Shady Side, Ohio, a group of teens discover that a series of horrifying events that have plagued their town over many years might not be random and that they may be the next victims. Spoopy. Hella spoopy. Uh, Fear Street 2 takes us to 1978 at Camp Nightwing, which is divided by the campers and counselors who hail from the prosperous town of Sunnyvale. Oh, Sunnyvale, not Shady Side. Uh, and the campers from and maintenance staffers from the downtrodden town of shady side there we go but when horrors from their town's shared history come alive they must band together to solve a terrifying mystery before it's too late that sounds like parks and rec (laughs) Bonnie and eagleton right (laughs) uh then we go even farther back in part three which takes us all the way back to 1666 or 1666. Oh, devil's number. <laughs> got it. Uh, Colonial Town is gripped by a hysterical witch hunt that has deadly consequences for centuries to come, and it's up to teenagers in 1994. What? The first one starts in 1994. Is there time travel? Oh, it's up to teenagers in 1994 to try and finally just put read an the end. rest. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going, man. You'll get there. To try and finally put an end to their town's curse before it's too late. So it comes back around. It's a, it's a three. It's a reach around. <laughs> uh, the trilogy's cast includes. Get ready for this list of names you've never heard of, <clears throat> except for one. You have one name: Kiana Madera, Olivia Welch, Benjamin Flores Jr., Daryl Britt Gibson, Ashley Zuckerman, Fred Hikinger, Julia Raywald, Jeremy Ford, and Gillian Jacobs. Hey, I know her. There's the one. <laughs> I saw her boobs and choke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and she was on this little show called Community. Did you ever watch that live table read? Yes. It's pretty funny. It like, was pretty funny. I thought it was going to be kind of dumb, especially because I already seen the episode, but <laughs> it was actually its own kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> um, cool. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that they're, that they're going... Um, uh, reverse sequential, re- yeah. What was it? Reverse chronological? Was it? Re- yeah, reverse chronological. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like um, yeah, they're like prequels almost. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> on a much longer timeline, but like kind of like Memento, or like the 
you know, if you've ever seen Memento, it was like kind of Chris, Christopher Nolan's like his big like breakout film. Like, well, not even big, but it, like the one that he became most well known for before he started doing like Dark Knight and and Batman movies. Um, it's got but, Guy Pierce and Joey Pants, right? <laughs> but the the premise of the movie is the guy has no short term memory due to a brain injury, so the movie goes backwards. It starts with the final scene of the movie and works its way backwards. Um, so you are as ju- just as uninformed about the the previous happenings as he is. Um, it's very conceptual and um, like a lot of fun to watch, like multiple times. But kind of like this, where like the the previous the 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 next film informs the one before it. Yeah. So and then it all comes around at the end. Right. The old, the old reach around. <laughs> um, cool. I'm wondering, like, who's the who's the target audience here? Like, if if it's Disney that's behind it, like, is it young adult or? Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's Arl Stein, who has never really been geared towards young children, it's always been young adults. Yeah. Um, I have. To, I never read Fear Street. Did you? No, I only read the Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, and the Beast. The Beast. This one about a roller coaster. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, like, I, I knew it. I knew the name, but I never really even knew what it was about. Um, mainly because the internet didn't exist back then. Right. If you um, didn't read it, you didn't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But I mean, just just based on the the plot here, you know, it sounds like a like a like an ABC family. Yeah. Freeform. Freeform. That's what it's called now. Um, show. And so those are typically geared towards young adults. Uh, t- uh, tweens and what? Pre-tweens. Is, is tween like, that's just like 11 and 12, right? That's just, that's what tweens are? I guess. Because 13, you're considered a teenager. Right. right. I don't understand why they get their own... Like those two years, why they get their own, I don't know. Well, I guess if you're like an infant, that's basically like one to two years, and then three to, what, four, you're a toddler. Apparently a tween is nine to 12. That doesn't make any sense. I don't don't want to have a discussion about this. This says a tween is no longer a child, but not quite a teenager. No, they're still a child. Yeah. They're still considered adolescent, which by definition is a child. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. This is like the same shit that I, th- I was Gen X until I was 30 years old. And they're like, oh, no, you're a millennial now. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. What? <laughs> it's funny. How old's your dad? Mid-60s? Uh, early, early, yeah. Early, early to mid-60s. So he's, he's a boomer. Yeah. Okay, so my, my parents are boomers, my too. Dad, my dad's like the tail end of the boomers. So. Mine, too. Mine, like, the very, very cusp of being boomers. So, they're, they're, they're boomers. Yeah. And, like, like my mom's dad was in the war. So, by definition, she's a boomer. Sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. They, just, they keep adding, like, these subsections. Like, like um, Zoomers. They were, bo- they were millennials until... Yeah. Until they decided there was a new generation. I feel like 
feel like the generations are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Which is weird because I feel like, by and large, people are having children older and older. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back in, like, our grandparents' time, they were having kids at, like, 15 years old. And it's like, oh, that's totally normal. <laughs> well, yeah, and then they died when they were 21. So. Sure. But now, you know. Bury the boy. <laughs> bury the boy. <laughs> Scrubs? No. Uh, Mulaney. Oh, right. Gosh. Anyway. Fear Street. Yeah, I probably won't watch this. I mean, if I don't have anything else to watch. If it's going to be like Halloween Town or something, I'm not, not going to watch that. I, don't, I, I have a feeling it's not going to be that hokey. <laughs> I mean, if it's Netflix, you figure it's got to be a certain... I'm going to have to watch Halloween Town this year because it's coming to Disney+. Plus. It's a... Fucking cheese is going to make me watch it. Probably. And then I'll have to watch Halloween Town 2 and return to Halloween Town and all the other dumb shit. <laughs> That's what happens in your cradle, robber. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's the same amount between <laughs> us as there is between you two. Uh, No. Like two years. So I'm, I'm 35. You're 37. Yeah. And her and cheese are the same age. Oh. Okay. Two years. <laughs> I'm two years less gross than you. <laughs> I am the Eggman. They are the Eggman. I am the Walrus. Mr. City Policeman sitting pretty little policeman in a row. All right, so in news that about stuff that nobody asked for, <laughs> during a recent Twitch session, Kevin Smith was talking about a potential idea for Tusk 2. Um, noting like we're the only people on the planet that like Tusk, and even we don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we of the two movies in this show's history that we've reviewed twice, Tusk is one of them. Um, I forget how to... Did we, we picked the movie at the time that we'd rated the lowest and the ra- movie that we'd rated the highest, right? No, we picked one movie that everyone loved and we hated, and one movie that everyone hated and we loved. Was that okay? Um, and it's funny because we did Tusk and we are still here. That's Correct, called, right? Yes. Um, and it was interesting. After a second watch, we liked We Are Still Here. Yeah, we flipped on We Are Still Here, but we held firm on Tusk. Did we? I thought we flipped on that too. No. Are you sure? Yes. I will look it up, you son of a bitch. Because <laughs> now I'm making you doubt yourself? <laughs> no, because I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. You, you, you stick it to me then. I'm going to stick you so hard. <laughs> I'm going to stick you to the wall. Nobody's sticking anything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so he says he has an idea for potential Tusk 2, while also noting that it's possible we could see the return of Wallace the Walrus. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm shocked we got away with Tusk, but but I'll be honest with you, I do have a story for Tusk too. Uh, the great Michael Parks, who played Howard Howe, the guy who turns Wallace into a walrus, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. An amazing actor that I got to work. Or should I read this like Kevin Smith? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Okay, uh, so our ratings went down, but not drastically. 
I, okay, I remember them going down. I just wasn't really sure how much. The, f- the first time I gave it a seven, you gave it an eight. Okay. And the second time I gave it a five, you gave it a six. So both of us dropped two points. Okay. That's much more... Des- that, that, that's much more of what it deserves. I, w- I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes, read this like Kevin Smith. I want to hear this. Oh, I don't know if I can. I... I pumped myself up. Now I, I don't think I can do it. Okay. No, I can't. <laughs> like, if I read it, it's just going to end up sounding like me. I'm like, oh, this is terrible Kevin Smith impression. <laughs> it's going to be you, and then every once in a while you'd be like. <laughs> uh, okay, so the great Michael Parks, who played Howard Howe, the guy who turns Wallace into a walrus, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. An amazing actor that I got to work with twice. But... The, in the ending of Tusk, if I wanted, if I wanted to be a commercial filmmaker, t- uh, wait, which I apparently wanted, I've never, which apparently I've wanted to be, uh, I would have ended the film when Guy Lapont, uh, Guy, sorry, Guy Lapont, um, comes in and raises his shotgun, and you just hear the walrus scream, and we cut to black. That, of course, is not how Tusk ended. No. <laughs> It ends in a much more disturbing way. <laughs> yeah, much stranger. Why would... Th- I just want to take a second to talk about that Let's ending. take a beat. What, what, what... In what world would that be okay? We're just like, oh no, my boyfriend is a, is a walrus now. I guess we just leave him that way. <laughs> But it's okay, because we'll go feed him. <laughs> it's like, in all reality, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, we got to get him to a doctor. Yeah, not a zoo. Yeah. And then through some kind of modern medicine, they would try to get him back to as much human as possible. Granted, his limbs were, you know, demolished. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't just leave him. As a human walrus. That's not what people do. Also, they take him to a zoo. Yeah. The zoo is not going to just be like, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, walrus, huh? Oh, human walrus? Yeah. It's weird he's got a human face on his back, but sure. People will pay for that. <laughs> people love weird shit. Um, yeah. Okay. So, he continued. There's a version of Tusk 2 where you, that you do... There's a version of Tusk 2 that you do where you cut to the present and somebody else gets sucked into the spider's web. The house... That's not how spider's webs work. No. <laughs> I don't know what, what he's talking about. He, do, he probably doesn't know what he's talking about because he's probably high. Oh, yeah. He's probably baked as a cake. Like, high as a kite. I don't think I've ever met somebody who this far into their career of being such a stoner is still so heavily affected by it. <laughs> um... Most people that I know that have been like kind of made a career out of smoking pot have kind of mellowed out at this point. You know what shocks me is that someone who smokes that much pot was able to cut out sugar, right? <laughs> um, da, 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 da. okay, so this is like reading a Trump quote, so I'm gonna stumble through this. Um, you cut to the present, and somebody else gets sucked into the spider's web. The house, you hear stories, and when you get to the house, the new Howard Howe is Wallace. 
who has gotten out of the walrus trappings and stuff and is obviously disturbed by his entire ordeal and is now doing it to others. So there's a way to do Tusk 2 where Justin becomes Michael Parks' character. Wallace becomes sort of the new Howard Howe. So yeah, that's possible. Tusk 2 is possible. Obviously, I've thought about it. Man. <laughs> that's... I mean, I know he'll never do it because he does this shit all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Although apparently he made that fucking... Uh, what was it called? Kilroy was here. Apparently he's made it. It's it's done. It's in the cam. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Uh, but pretty sure Chris Jericho's in it. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> if I were Justin Long, I'd be like, you know what? No. I'm good. Not this time. <laughs> uh... Okay. But obviously, in his mind, he could get out of the walrus costume. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like the most realistic ending that should have happened in the first place. <laughs> it's like maybe, maybe, I'm just spitballing here. Maybe what could have happened was that they reverted him back to his human form, but he is so deformed that he's lost. I mean, he, he clearly lost his mind. Like he had just gone full animal. Um, and, but now they, they kind of revert him back to what they can, what can pass for some kind of human form, but he's lost his mind. That seems like a much more reasonable ending to me. Not just leaving him (laughs) as this patchwork hodgepodge, like cosplay of a walrus. Leather face of walruses. You know, the, 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 the likelihood, I mean. This is Kevin Smith. I doubt he is very worried about the science of all this. <laughs> but that wouldn't... Like, you couldn't just stitch a bunch of random skin onto some dude and expect that that's just going to work. Like, that skin, that flesh is dead. And so, once he, you know, gets sepsis, he's going <laughs> to be dead, too. You don't just take somebody who's dying to a zoo. <laughs> it was like a make-a-wish. <laughs> But even if it is Make-A-Wish, you don't leave them there. No. For people to come pay he, money to look at. Yeah, you don't put them in a pen <laughs> and throw fish throw at fish him. Out. Tusk 2, everyone. All right, so our final story, moving on to the world of video games, uh, specifically a new VR game called The Walking Dead Onslaught. No colon. Are you surprised that VR is still around? A little bit. I kind of thought that would die off as quickly as... As quickly as it did the first time. Well, yeah, but I was going to say 3D movies, because that was really popular for like less than five years. People were buying 3D TVs. What do you think think they did with all those 3D TVs? (laughs) I don't know. Whatever they do with like all the, the like the losing teams merchandise from the Super Bowl, just send it to Africa. It. <laughs> like here, have these three D TVs. We don't need them anymore. Do you have the glasses? No, <laughs> shut up. There are no glasses. They don't work anyway. 
Uh, the Walking Dead onslaught has you play as Daryl Dixon. This is, this is gonna... the first time he's been in a video game. I think so. Okay. A Walking Dead game. I mean, Norman Reedus has been in other video games. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Daryl Dixon. Yeah, right. Uh, this will release September 29th on PlayStation. Donna Dixon. Donna Dixon? <laughs> uh, we'll release. No, we'll release September 29th, 2020, on PlayStation VR, Oculus Rift, and Steam VR. And following the game's digital launch, there will also be PlayStation VR physical editions from Perp Games <laughs> available on October 2nd in Europe and October 13th in North America. I never understood, the, like, I mean, across the entertainment world, why there are different release dates for different countries. I don't understand. Yeah. It's like... It's just distributions, maybe? different, Like, different distributors? I, I mean, I guess, but what, is that, what difference does that make? It's like if you're getting distribution deals, say, hey, both of you guys, you know, like 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 they reach. Let's do something close to home. They reach has two different distribution deals, one in Europe and one in America or North America, I should say. Um, it's already out in Europe. Yeah. Which unfortunately has led to pirating, which means a lot of people in the U.S. have already seen it. Mm -hmm. It's still not out in the U.S. And I... I'm not behind the scenes with it. I don't, I'm not, you know, Bri and Silas did not brief me on their, their distribution dealings, but I don't, I don't understand why they had two different dates. It's like, Hey, these are the, this is the singular date that this movie comes out. Do not release it before that. Do not release it after it. That's when it comes out. And the same with video games. I just, I don't understand why I'm not a business person, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, The Walking Dead Onslaught is set shortly after the Savior War in uh, an Alexandria devastated by the fighting and struggling over its ideals. Players will step into the shoes of Daryl Dixon for an intense campaign mode as he recounts a fateful encounter with a mysterious stranger. The game's infinitely replayable scavenger mode allows players to embark on supply runs as Rick, Daryl, Michonne, and Carol, not Carl. Fuck Carl. <laughs> fuck Carl. He's just stay in the fucking house. <laughs> Get back inside! <laughs> Where they'll encounter overwhelming hordes of walkers and collect resources to rebuild their community, upgrade and modify iconic weapons from the show, and unlock new quests. Are there iconic weapons? Well, crossbow. Crossbow, katana, big-ass gun. I guess, I mean, those are pretty much... Uh, Lucille, I Lucille, guess. Lucille, yeah. Okay. But if you're not playing as... Uh, uh, the dude with Lucille. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh my god. Okay, keep talking. If you're not playing as him, then like, why would you have Lucille? Unless he's dead. Um. Yeah. Pre-orders are available now on Oculus Home and Steam and select retailers with PlayStation. Negan. Negan yeah, with PlayStation VR pre-orders coming soon. There you go. Apparently, neat. Like I haven't watched the show in years. It's I mean, it's been like two years now. Um, but apparently, Negan's like a good guy now, or something. What? I I think he actually like flips uh, in the books too. Does he? Yeah, I haven't. I didn't read the series that far in, um, so I'm not positive. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think Negan's a good guy now. <laughs> Weird. 
That is, that is weird. Weird, wild stuff. Although it's it, it was always strange to me to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as a as a bad guy. He's he's always seems to have played like a a good guy or some kind of like antihero or something. Like on Grey's Anatomy. Y- yeah, Grey's <laughs> Anatomy. Sure. <laughs> I think the closest thing I'd ever seen to him play a villain, aside from Walking Dead, was on um, or it was in Watchmen, where he was a comedian. Mm. Where yeah. he was a hero, but he was an asshole. Right. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, you're going to get this? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm checked out of The Walking Dead. Like, I haven't watched the show in a while. Like, even Robert Kirkman is checked out of The Walking Dead. He's like, I'm done writing it now. So, whatever. I'm more interested in Gotham Knights and, uh, Actually, Suicide Squad looks pretty badass too. All right, they both they revealed those at Fandom yesterday, so I'm kind of hype on them right now. <laughs> well, as much as you try, this is not a superhero podcast. So, <laughs> okay, that's horror business, guys. You you don't is is a PlayStation VR is that like a separate? I assume there's something you have to put on. Yeah, it's, I mean. It, the VR headset, like you'd expect you, it to be. I assume you don't have one of those. No. I the only game that I was ever tempted to try out was um, Resident Evil, or you know, Biohazard. Um, just because it's so the the game itself is you know it's all first person, it's so atmospheric that I feel like it would just add a, another level, right? To have it be a full like three sixty experience. Yeah. Um, but I never. Uh, actually played it that way. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. Those VR sets are not cheap. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, a refurbished one from GameStop is $150, so. It looks like 340 new. Fuck that. I got my eyes set on PlayStation 5. Yeah? Yeah, because some of those next-gen games look Really fucking good. Like uh, the new Assassin's Creed. My God, the graphics look amazing. I'm not a gamer, but I've been considering getting a Stadia. Stadia. Yeah, it's the Google thing. It like plays through the Chromecast. Okay. But like everything, all the games, well, not all the games, but a bunch of the games are cross-platform. Mm. Are they exclusive games? Or I mean, no, that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> I just said they're fucking cross-platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, there are so many games that are, like, exclusive to Xbox or exclusive to PlayStation. I assume it's not those, the ones. Probably not. Well, I, like, I think that... Is it Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Yeah. Yeah, that's on there. Is it? Yeah. And they're all cross-platform or a lot of them? A, a lot of them. I don't okay. I don't think all of them are. Because I know that... That's, that's, but I'm pretty sure the Assassin's Creed one is. Okay. I know that, that's, a, that's a relatively new thing for the games to be cross-platform. Yeah. Um, Super cool, though. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I'm more of a casual gamer, and I prefer to play on my own rather than with someone else. Me too. Even games on my phone, and it's like, you know, oh, it's like, it's like play now, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, find you an opponent. I'm like, wait, no, I just want to like play the computer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, now you're playing Fernando in Guam. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> and like, the, the, the bitch of it is, too, like, and this has been an ongoing thing ever since online play was was a thing. 
even you know when people are still like using dial up and it, by comparison it's still bad <laughs> because you know you've got these people with two different internet speeds so one is always going to be holding up the other <laughs> right um it's like you know like my internet because we do so much streaming you know we both work from home watch a lot of uh, vod um and that kind of stuff uh like I think we've we've got like top tier internet. Like I think it's as fast as it comes, um, but you know a lot of people don't have that. Right. So if I was trying to play a game with somebody who didn't have that, then it would just be all laggy and shit, and I'd lose interest. My my waning interest in it in the first place would just dissipate. So, um, but yeah, like I I have always preferred games like uh, Assassin's Creed and um, you know I got it really into The Witcher. Uh, just because it's single just solo games, yeah, yeah, solo games. Um, and even like, I don't need some twelve-year-old from fucking Scotland, you know, calling me queer all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Do you game, bro? No, I fucking don't. No, I'm busy having sex. I'm busy. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna be more graphic about it, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy slamming puss. <laughs> I'm busy touching vagina. <laughs> just, just touching. <laughs> I'm busy touching boo. <laughs> busy fucking your mom. <laughs> Hi, wife. <laughs> I thought she had headphones on. Oops. <laughs> um, cool video games. Anyway, that's, that's it, it for horror business. Next up, come our film reviews. All right, so this episode um, was just something, I mean, it's kind of a theme that we just kind of landed on by accident. Uh, was So these are horror films that were directed and or written by people that we've most that we've known to be most attributed to comedy um more or less yes um so we we watched uh uh random acts of violence and the rental um which one do you start with taylor let's start with the rental Let me show you out back, and then I'll get out of your hair. The stars are insane out here. I should have brought the telescope. What do you need a telescope in the city for? Unless you're like a peeping Tom or something.
okay, Charlie, all right? Stop being so calm. Everything is fine. All right, so The Rental, brand new movie, uh, released in COVID world. I think it was had already been filmed, but, you know, um, you know, with theaters not being open, this is one of those things that was released, uh, like the home, what's the term they're using? It's Premium VOD? No, it's like, uh, fuck, there's a term that I keep seeing. It's like um, at-home first, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But basically, yeah, it was released on VOD, even though it was a brand new movie. Uh, it's like, you know, a first run movie. Um, but also, the theaters that are open, like drive ins, which was where I saw it, uh, are also showing it. So, kind of a weird thing. Um, the rental was uh, directed by that fucking trash panda, Dave Franco. <laughs> Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to... What episode was that? Oh, fuck if I know. Shit. Why were we even talking about Dave Franco? Um, like, What else has he been in that we would have been talking about him for? I don't know. Were, were, were we talking about this, maybe? We might have been. Fuck, I don't know. Um... Go to our Instagram and look for the picture of Dave Franco next to a raccoon. Yeah, then you'll you'll get it. Just listen to that. That's all you need to listen to. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just looking something up here. Stop it. <laughs> Don't look stuff up now. Okay, so, uh, yeah, directed by Dave Franco. His is uh, directorial debut, actually. Um and written by Joe Swanberg, which the name is very familiar to me, but I, I'm not really sure why. Because I'm looking. He's written a lot of stuff, and uh, you probably would recognize him from like they reach. Uh, yeah, they reach. You know that movie we were in. He was. In, <laughs> you didn't see him on set. Uh, you're next. He was in your next. Was he in your next? Yes. Okay. Maybe that's why. But yeah, I'm looking at his writing credits, and like, I don't really recognize like a the VHS segment, but. Even the name, I'm not even sure which one that was. He was also in the sacrament. Okay, so I probably just recognize him, like recognize his name as an actor rather than a writer. Probably he's part of that whole group with like Wingard and Ty West, and that'll click. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So, like I said, Dave Franco in his directorial debut, and it was, it was him and Franco wrote it, right? Together, or just just yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, I mean, a fairly well-known cast for the most part. I mean, had Dan Stevens, uh, Allison Brie, who's you know, of course, that's Dan Stevens, who was in the guest directed by Adam Wingard. Uh, See, I told you they're all part of the world. And Allison Brie, who was of course Dave Franco's wife for whatever reason. Um, little nepotism. I don't know. <laughs> nah, just kidding. She's a great actress. She is. Uh, it's so funny seeing her play a character that isn't Annie, though. Because she's just, like, in my head, she's Annie. Um, or Zoya the Destroyer. 
<laughs> well, even that, like once Glow started, I'm like, this is such a departure from what Annie was. Yeah. It's like, um, then uh, Sheila Vand, who played the lead in uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or whatever. <laughs> I feel like I fucked that name up too when we reviewed it. A, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Is that what I said? That's what I said. I have no idea what you said. I think I said that. Are you playing it back to listen? I'm just checking. I think that's what it's called. Girl, I didn't realize that was a girl her. walks home alone at night. Yeah, that's so, what I said. Is that what I said? <laughs> that's what we both said. We both said it correctly. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that was her. And then Jeremy Allen White, who is actually I'm not familiar with him. Uh, he looked familiar, but I don't recognize him from anything. That was pretty good casting, though. I thought him and uh, him and the other guy like looked like they could be brothers. Yeah. Uh, and then the the one, the only, Toby Huss. I fucking love Toby Huss. He's so good. Like. He, he's, he's Artie, the strongest man in, in the, the world. world. <laughs> he's also in Down Periscope. Also, does he have any albums out? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He so I was like, going to say, he's got to be a fucking crooner, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's got, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got uh, like a cup, a few of them, I think. I think he's got like a Christmas He's got album. such a silky smooth voice. He, he, he just, he basically just knocks off. Frank Sinatra, but that's okay. But it works. It's it's so good. Um. Anyway, okay. Uh. Anyway, so this story uh, it, it takes it. So basically, we've got uh, Dan Stevens who plays uh, Charlie, and Allison Brie plays his wife Michelle. Then you have Charlie's brother Josh, who's uh, played by Jeremy Allen White. And Josh's girlfriend, Mina, played by Sheila Vand. Now we're all familiar with the characters. Um, Charlie has had like kind of a history. He was like a drug addict. Um, Spent some time in the clink. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Dan, Steve, or sorry, Charlie and Mina are business partners. They're developing um, some kind of, does anybody actually say what they're developing? I don't think so. It's like a website or some kind of software or something. An app, maybe? Probably an app. That's that's what kids do nowadays. Kids are into the apps. The apps. <laughs> Appies and nappies. Remember the iPhone slogan was, there's an app for that? Yeah. Is it not anymore? I I don't know. I don't know. I, don't care. I think now it's just like iPhone. You're going to fucking buy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, the next iPhone comes in October and I'm, I'm going to get it. Because <laughs> that's what you do. You buy that a should be there, That should be. It's just going to be iPhone. You know you want to. <laughs> Well, it's like they make it, like, and I'm sure uh, Androids are the same way. It's like, they make it so where you have to get the new phone, like, with it. Like, even if you hold on to your old phone, in, like, three years, you can't use it anymore because the OS has gotten so fucking big. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, you I mean, you can use it, but you can only have the, I, the, the OS. You can't have anything else on it. Um, like, like th- th- there's certain companies like Apple is definitely one of them that they could just like, they could take a full page ad and it's just like a picture of the iPhone. It just says the iPhone 12 now available and that's all they fucking need. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they don't even have to put a price on it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just say iPhone 12 sheep. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to say, man. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So. Uh, they so Mina and Charlie have developed something, probably an app. 
Um, and they decide they're going to celebrate, and the four of them are going to go off for the weekend. Um, Although it's strange because it's seemingly Charlie and Mina have decided this for everyone. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, the other two, they don't seem to know any of this is going on until they're just like, oh, yeah, we're going away for the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, sorry. So full disclosure, I saw this at the theater or sorry, at the drive-in, God, like th- three weeks ago. So oh, okay. I, f- I feel like I remember it pretty well. So if, if I watched it this morning. So. Okay. So if little details I can, like I can that. I walk you through it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they, yeah, they're, so they're going to go off and celebrate and they're bringing their, their uh, significant others with them. Um, and they rented a house off on some bluff somewhere. It's this massive mansion almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like right on the, right on the coastline. Yeah. It's Oregon, right? Somewhere in Oregon. I don't remember them ever saying. I'm going off of, uh, license plates. Oh, I don't think I paid that much attention. I'm pretty sure it was Oregon. At least they're from Oregon. Anyway, um, there, there's a lot of animosity. It's kind of under the surface between Charlie and Josh, just because Josh has had such a, you know, difficult past and, you know, Charlie kind of looks down his nose at him. Um, but, you know, she's dating or he's he's dating his business partner and his, his wife, Michelle, is, you know, it's like he's your brother, you know, he's family. You kind of got to give him a little bit of slack. Um, you know, he's done really well for himself or he's he's done well at kind of getting back on his feet. And he... he he like doesn't want to buy into it. He's just like you know, he's a fucking Uber driver. You know, he's not really thriving. Yeah. Um, but you know, Josh is like he's he's not really trying to impress his brother. He's just trying to do well for himself. And the fact that his brother doesn't really want to give him the time of day is you know disappointing. But it seems like he's not really letting it get to him too much. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so. They're driving, and along the way, they're discussing in the car that Mina tried to... Mina, who, like I said, uh, it's Sheila Vand, who is uh, Pakistani? I know she's... She's Iranian. Iranian. Okay. Well, she's American, but... (laughs) Heritage. Yeah. Um... So yeah, she's she's Middle Eastern, um, and you know there's there's been a lot of anybody anybody who her last name is like Mohadani or something like yeah very clearly Middle Eastern. Any anybody who has um, anybody who's used Airbnb in the past is probably at least somewhat aware of their recent attempts to try and fight against prejudice. You know, obscuring people's you know personal d- data, you know names and such and such, uh, and even pictures, so that there can't be any kind of discrimination based on names or skin color or anything like that. So this kind of reads into that a little bit because Mina applied for the house, the very house that they're staying in, and was denied. And the same day, uh, Charlie submitted an application to rent it and was accepted. Charlie, being a white man. 
Um, so, you know, she's kind of been out of shape about that. Um, and everybody is just kind of trying to downplay it. It's like, you know what? Don't, it's probably some, some misunderstanding or she's like, you know, they're trying to pass it off on like her rental history, you know, I mean, that's another thing with Airbnb. If you don't have like a lot of rental history, some places won't rent to you because they don't have like a reputation. Um, anyway, so they get to the house and they um, meet up with the the kind of the caretaker, uh, Taylor, who's played by Toby Huss. Find out he's, Good name. Huh? Good name. Good strong name. Strong name. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he's, he's like, he's the owner's brother and he watches after the place cause his brother lives elsewhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of an asshole. I mean, he's, he's, he's very clearly, um, hiding some kind of subtle, uh, racism and even maybe sexism as well. Um, and Mina kind of confronts him about the the, preju- the possible prejudice, and he passes it off. Um, and uh, anyway, so they're staying at the house, and um, one night, uh, Michelle, or I guess it's the first night, Michelle pulls out a little baggie of Molly, and you know she says, "Hey." You know what? I think I'm going to save this for tomorrow night because I want to go. Did they say initially that it was Molly? Because I only remember them saying that later. Because initially they started talking about ecstasy. So I thought it was ecstasy. But then later, Michelle said that it was Molly. Uh, You might be right. But I mean, since we're living now. (laughs) I'm in the future also. We know she, that it was, in fact, She modern. loved E <laughs> and hated water. She seemed cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah, Michelle says, you know, I want, want to go on a hike tomorrow. And I think one of us should be kind of the control in the environment. So you guys have at it and I'll, we can do it again tomorrow night. So the other three get all fucked up. Um, and you know, it's, it's a typical kind of party for some, for people in like their mid thirties where it's like, they're all fired up at the beginning and then it dies out really fast <laughs> around 10, 15. Yeah. People are like, all right, well, I'm going to head to bed. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's always that one person that's like, no, let's get the hot tub going. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, Josh, he, he, you know, Michelle, she calls it an early night. Um, and Josh, he kind of asses out pretty early too. Um, but you know, uh, Mina and Charlie are still going and they get the, the hot tub fired up. Um, and they're sitting in there and it's just like, there's this sexual tension between them almost from the beginning of the movie. Well, I mean, the very first shot of the movie is them looking at this house and she's like resting her head on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So you initially think they're a couple. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, once, once uh, Josh walks in the room and they, I think they 
kiss or, or hug or, or something, show some kind of affection. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but so they're sitting in the hot tub, you know, and they, they're high as fuck. And so they start getting really close. And then they, uh, they're they sharing the bubbles. Yeah. And they're, t- they're talking about, you know, congratulating each other and basically just passing compliments back and forth, which, you know, just raises the sexual energy. It's like, you know what? I really value your partnership. I think you're a brilliant uh, person, and that gets the women hot. <laughs> Just so you know, when you <laughs> when you really respect their minds over their bodies, women love that. <laughs> Chicks love that. <laughs> anyway, so they kind of kiss a little bit, and then like, all right, you know, I think. Mina puts the brakes on it. Yeah, she's like, I think it's time for bed. So she gets out of the hot tub, and she uh, jumps into the shower, and then right behind her comes Charlie. Just like, look at my body. This is is so awkward. He was standing there just naked, and just like, witness me. (laughs) Before he got in the shower? Before he got in the shower. Because later, when this is kind of... I'm sure you'll talk about this. I don't think it's a spoiler. But when they show the footage of them in the shower, he's clearly wearing shorts. He's still in his bathing suit. Oh, did he? I didn't notice. Yeah. Again, I saw this at a drive-in, which, you know, as much as drive-in technology has improved over the years, it's still not even as good as, like, a normal theater. You know, even less so, like, a a 4K TV that I have at home. (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's like, even though she put the brakes on it, he jumps in the shower, and she's basically like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And they, they're just making out, and then they... You actually don't even see everything that happens. They're just rubbing their parts together. Yeah. <laughs> like a kid and Barbie doll. <laughs> um, <it's> like... <laughs> um, like this, Janet? <laughs> Am I doing it, Janet? <laughs> um, so we skip to the next day, and you know, they also they've they've obviously got a lot of buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they can't even look each other in the eye, let alone their significant others. Michelle, she's all fired up and ready to go because they're going to go on this hike, um, and. You know, Josh, who went to bed early, he's ready to go. Um, but, you know, Charlie and Mina, who are both not only hungover, but are also, um, you know, feeling pretty shitty about what happened. Uh, they they can't they, they back out of the hike. And so Michelle and Josh uh, go on a hike alone, which is kind of like, you know, Kramer and Elaine going on a hike, <laughs> right? Um, so they, uh, so while they're off um, gallivanting, um, you know, Charlie and Mina are sitting there. It's like, you know, I, I, I can't believe that happened. Um, it can never happen again. You know, Mina, especially, she's like, you know, I, I love your brother. I really do. And, you know, that was a one-time thing that can absolutely never happen again. And Charlie's in full agreement. Um, he's, he seems like he is in a little more of a rocky spot with his marriage. Um, 
so he doesn't really seem as um, remorseful as Mina does. Um, well, at the same time, Charlie and uh, or not Charlie, uh, Josh and uh, Michelle are on the hike, and Josh kind of lets it slip that he has a history of cheating. That Charlie has a history. Of yes. Cheating. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, you know, if we hadn't just witnessed a new a new wave of cheating happen, you know, you might think it's like, oh, she's really overreacting about something that happened in the past. But, you know, clearly it's still a trend for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't know that. All she Now she they come back and she's upset about, um, you know, the, the uh, past cheating that she's now been made aware of. Um, and because he cheated on his girlfriend with her. Yeah, which she knew. She knew that. Right? Yeah. But she, but didn't, she didn't know, know that, that he had cheated on his pet, his girlfriend before her. He had cheated on somebody else with them. Right. Um, so she's all been out of shape about that. And, um, you know, meanwhile, he's still trying to recover, not only from being fucked up the night before, but from feeling like a shitty person for doing what he did. Um, then Mina goes to take another shower. And that's when she realizes that, hey, there's something that looks strikingly like a camera in the shower head. The very same shower that she fucked her business partner and her boyfriend's brother in. <laughs> um, so they kind of go into a panic um, and they spend a, a good portion of the movie trying to figure out where this recording went. Um, and things just kind of start to unravel a lot. Not only... Um, because they are kind of descending into this madness of, of paranoia about being outed about you know over what they did, um, but also trying to keep it from their significant others, who are starting to become really suspicious of what they're doing, um, and you know, getting upset themselves over not necessarily cheating, which they don't really know about, um, but just their attitudes in general. Um. And yeah, it's just it's it really is kind of a, a, a you know an aquarium view of of people losing their minds and you know relationships just crumbling. Um, I think that's kind of where I'll leave it because I don't want to get into any kind of spoilers. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. Qualifying this as a horror is a little bit of a stretch. Um, it's it's a thriller of sorts, which I guess qualifies as horror. I mean, I think it's a horror towards the end. Yeah, yeah. The ending definitely picks up a lot more. And it kind of changes tone a little bit. Um, I think the main focus of the movie is like paranoia um, and like... You know, so if somebody's out to get you and you don't know who, you start to get a little nutty. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, what did you think? Um, I mean, the first two acts are really pretty mundane. It's very much just this like drama about relationships and yeah, 
but it really picks up in that third act. Yeah, it does. Like a- as you know, Charlie and Mina especially really start to lose their fucking minds um, because they know that there's this footage out of them, but they don't know who did it or where it's being kept. And so they or why or yeah or why I mean aside from just being spied on right um, they are like frantically tearing the house apart and you know meanwhile there's this person out there and we don't really know who and actually even at the end well I don't know Um, anyway so throughout the whole movie you're trying to you're trying to figure out who it is that's spying on them um and uh you know they are too and just like i said the, the the big the big focus on this is i feel like them starting to kind of lose their minds and just go crazy um because they can't cover their asses and like they're and the the lengths that they're willing to go to 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 cover their indiscretions gets to be pretty extreme there's at one point like Michelle finds she sees the video but uh Charlie is still just like determined to find it. I'm yeah. just like what's the danger now? Like she she saw it. <laughs> I mean I guess other than finding out who is filming them. Yeah. Um Yeah. But no, I mean, like uh, for this, especially for a first-time filmmaker, um, or you know, first-time director, I should say, because I don't know if Franco's been like producer on other things or anything like that. But um, first-time director and you know, also co-writer, pretty impressed with Dave Franco. I gotta say, yeah. It's, I mean, I I wouldn't have guessed that this was a first-time director. Um, it was very polished, um, very focused. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of first time directors, even if they've been in the business, they kind of lack that focus that you know more experienced directors have. And this, I would have guessed that this was you know somebody who had been around a while, uh, you know, in the director's chair. Um, but yeah. uh. The cat. I, I like the cast too. Um, you know, Dan Stevens is somebody. I think he kind of gained his fame on Downton Abbey, but you know he did the. Oh really? I didn't know he was on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did the guest, which was kind of like his breakout into into films. I think, or at least American ones. Um, and uh, you know, he he was on Legion which I think got him even more popularity. Um, but I only really know him from the guest. He's also, he's the, he was the beast in, in that live action adaptation. Oh, was he? Yeah. I just remember that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything specific you want to talk about? I mean, like I said, I, it's, it's only really a horror in the last act. Yeah. And otherwise it's it's kind of just this drama that 
leans thriller a little bit when once they find the cameras and they're trying to find out what happened and yeah um yeah not super gory no i mean they had its moments yeah but it wasn't like over the top or anything um but you know i'm i'm a i'm a gore guy you know anybody that listens to the show regularly knows that about me um, but I, I can appreciate the restraint. I mean, not, not that it next to like called for a lot of gore. Um, but they, they could have gotten over. There were the, definitely a couple parts that they could have beefed up a little bit. Sure. But, um, oh yeah. Uh, principal photography in, in Bandon and Portland, Oregon. All right. Abandoned in Coos County. I thought that the guy at the very end was Franco. The uh, the guy? Yeah. <laughs> but apparently it's not. Oh. Nope. Because you never see his face. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to give away the ending. Right. Um, that The French bulldog in it, the, the dog that played him, his name is Chunk. <laughs> Such a good name. They didn't kill the dog, right? Nope. Good. Dog that, comes trotting into the house at the end. Yeah, you thought it was dead or missing or, or something. missing at least. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I thought the the guy was gonna take him with it, with him though, but no, just left him. Fend for himself. He's not a wild animal. He's gonna die. I mean, he's. Someone's going to come back to that Airbnb eventually. Who? The person who owns it? But he has his brother. We'll have to talk about this later. We're going to start giving away movies. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this. there's not a lot to this. I mean, it's it's a one location movie, you know, and, and that in itself um, kind of gives you even as the viewer it kind of gives you a little bit of cabin fever um you know they're they're this location they're in is very remote um and you know they as things have kind of declined especially between uh charlie and michelle um you know there's this want to just leave and you know just like you know what fuck it we're we're not having fun anymore let's just get out of here but um, Charlie and Mina are both kind of insisting, no, let's stay here and party. Let's, you know, stay one more night. Um, so, um, but yeah, it, it does a good, I, good, does a good job of making you feel the isolation, I guess. Um, not necessarily because they're stuck there, just because they feel the need to stay there out of desperation, I guess. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to overspeak about this. So, I mean, anything else to add? No. Okay. Well, I'll say it, it was uh, a, a very well-made movie. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, calling it horror, which I don't even know if it really markets itself as horror necessarily. It. it 
it comes across that way on the surface. Um, well, I mean, yeah, even Wikipedia says it's a horror film. Yeah, IMDb says horror thriller. So, uh, it could be interpreted as a horror, sure, especially with that ending. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, a wall-to-wall horror film, which is fine. You know, if it's not made to be that, then it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the cast was good. Um, like I said, it had good direction. It was shot very well. Um, it was very atmospheric, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, no real complaints other than it not not really being just, you know, a, a conventional horror. Um, I'll give it a seven. I'm going to give it a six. Just because? I just, the, like, it got better as it went along, in my opinion. Yeah. But so, like, it it definitely didn't grab me from the start. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, the, the first act, I'm just, like, waiting. I'm just, like, is this just going to be a movie about, like, he cheated on her? And, oh, no, that sucks. And let's cry about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um <clears throat> We saw, you know, we were, like I said, we saw this at the drive-in, and drive-ins always do double features. So the first movie we saw was She Dies Tomorrow, which is actually the one I was more drawn towards just by the, the, the plot. That was awful. <laughs> like, it was this... I remember you, you were texting me while you were watching it. You're like, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Like, like con- conceptually, it sounds interesting. It's like this, this woman, she gets this notion that she's going to die tomorrow, you know, like in the title. <laughs> um, it, but then this idea starts sp- spreading to other people. And there's no real evidence or, you know, reason to believe that they'll die tomorrow. They just believe that they do with every it's fiber. This overwhelming of their- sense of dread. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like the statement on mortality and, you know, this kind of shit. But it's like, you know what? Fuck that. <laughs> this was boring as hell and I paid for it. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think after seeing that and then seeing this afterwards was kind of a relief because this was much better. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Well, there you go. The rental. It is out on VOD, or if you have... It is now out for rental. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) If you do have an open theater or a drive-in near you, they are... It is also showing there, so... Check it out. Or don't. Whatever. It depends on if you want to give Dave Franco your money. I don't know. (laughs) Or just give me your garbage. Give me the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we're going to talk about J. Baruchel's random acts of violence. Tonight, we have a one-hour special treat lined up for you as I'm joined by none other than Todd Walkley, brainchild behind one of the most successful R-rated comic books ever, Slasher Man. Slasher Man's like my life. I find it inspiring. I'm going to be honest with, with you. I haven't 
found my ending. This is a road trip that will be really fun and really informative. We are staying in all motels. They're all rural and they're all rich. I didn't know a place like this still existed. Is any of this uh, getting your creative juices flowing? This could be the scene of a massacre, yes. <laughs> Guys, we are in the middle of nowhere. We need to yes, figure yes, it out. Yes. Oh my god, what the fuck is going on? Is there a concern that Slasher Man could push the already unstable over the edge of the violence? What, a thousand kills? Once in a while, one of them might match up with something that happens in this country. We need to call the cops. And tell them what? That it's a killer running around recreating murders for my comics? What is it? Oh my god. Todd drew this. He is going to kill us. All right, so like I said, this is directed by Jay Baruchel, also co-written by Jay Baruchel, along with, uh, I left the page, Jesse Chabot. Or Chabot. Could be Chabot. It's probably Canadian. Uh, they are the writing team behind Goon, Last of the Enforcers. It's a good movie. I think it's the first one. I like the first one better. Oh, that's right. The first one was just called Goon. Yeah. Did I even see the second one? I can't know. remember. Did you? I, I don't know. Yeah. All right, then. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, also starring Jay Baruchel in a... Uh, not headlining. What's what? If you're not headlining, what are you? You're starring? I don't know. He's a, he's a secondary role. Uh, the main... Supporting? Our main... Supporting. Thank you. Yeah. Our main... Yes! Uh, thank you! <laughs> our main character is Todd Walkley, played by Jesse Williams of uh, Grey's Anatomy fame. Yep. I know him well against my will. <laughs> Literally first thing she said when she walks in the door. Oh, that's that guy from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's Jesse Williams. It's just, okay. <laughs> uh, Todd Walkley is... Hard right, Jay. <laughs> Uh, this this is based on a uh, graphic novel. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Todd Walkley plays a comic book writer, artist. Apparently, he does everything. It doesn't seem like there's any team on this comic. It's just him. Yeah. I mean, there are generally three, actually, yeah, four people technically that typically work on a comic. The writer, the artist, the inker, and, and the tracer. <laughs> Tracer and the colorist. Um, and he seems to do all four things. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. The only other person that seems to work on this is his partner, Ezra, played by J. Rochelle, who is his producer. Publisher. Publisher. That's what I said. What'd you hear? <laughs> and he's been writing this comic called Slasher Man for years, apparently. And it's like super popular. It's about this serial killer. But the, the serial killer has become the hero. And all these people look up to him. And uh, it's based on a real serial killer. Yeah. Uh, the I-90 killer. And uh, 
he's he's decided it's time to end the slasher man series but he's got this case of writer's block he can't figure out an ending that he thinks is appropriate for this very popular murderer well like it seemed like he the ending that he had he felt was good but everyone else thought it sucked because he wanted to end on some kind of like conceptual like artistic ending but he like all of his fan base and basically everybody that he showed the script to wanted it to be a little more um literal and obvious yeah so i wasn't sure if that was actually the ending i thought there was going to be more after that i I don't know that that's just kind of the way i interpreted it but i could be wrong but his wife or girlfriend do you know I've literally seen both written in different in other people's like breakdowns of the movie. Oh, I I assumed he was was girlfriend. I I don't know for sure though. Uh, anyways, Kathy, played by Jordana Brewster. She, yeah, she she tells him you know what Tony said like this basically the, this ending doesn't work and you need to fix it. So the three of them, along with uh, Todd's assistant Aurora they're going on this road trip and it's basically like a a press tour, but also they're going all along I-90 and retracing the original, the like real life killers steps to try and, uh, you know, boost Todd's, uh, creativity is, you know, to try and help him come up with an ending. Yeah. And he and his, you know, every, everybody that he works with, they all live in Toronto, but this all takes place in the u.s yeah you know i-90 for those who may not be aware whether you're not in the u.s or just not aware of i-90 it goes literally from seattle to what new york boston i think is it boston okay but it's it's a a cross-country interstate yeah um which i think i think it's the only one i think so yeah like the only one that's just like from beginning to end it's just i-90 yeah Anyway, um, so yeah, they, they hit the open road and the first place they come across is this very cliche gas station (laughs) and like they get out and there's just this guy just sitting there in like a folding chair and he's like, toilets for customers only. Okay, and, can we buy gas? Yeah, they're like, well, we want gas. Do these things work? Because they don't look like they do. But uh, Kathy is writing a book on the I-90 killer. She wants to try and like focus more on the real world of it and the victims as opposed to glorifying the killer like she feels that Todd does. So she goes up and she's going to interview this guy. <laughs> she's like, can I ask you some questions? And he goes, got any meth? <laughs> Like, what point do you have to reach in your life where that's, like, the question you ask of a stranger? <laughs> <clears throat> and, like, the first thing. So, like, <laughs> uh, but Todd and Ezra, they go inside, and they're just, the whole place is just, like I said, super cliche. And everything, you know, everything on the shelves is old and gross. And, but they notice a magazine rack that's very empty. So they decide, you know, hey, let's just stock this up with Slasher Man comics. Yep. So they do, and, they, and then they hit the road. The, the guy, the guy who runs the shop, he's like, they're like, here you go, this is all on the house. And he's like, 
Everything's coming up me. <laughs> now get the fuck out. It's <laughs> just unnecessarily hostile. Um, fuck. So, a little inside baseball here. We usually like pull up the Wikipedia pages and there's usually a plot rundown and this there's not one. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going entirely off memory here. I I mean, <laughs> conversely to what we talked about the rental, I just watched it this morning so I can kind of help you along here. I just watched it this morning too. Oh, so. did you? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Um, so is this where they do the signing after that? Um, well, I mean, yeah, the, the signing comes along. Um, so, or do the people get killed before that? Before the, before the signing? No. So there is a guy. Um, actually, God, was he introduced before this? Shit. It's, it's the guy that we're supposed to assume is the, is the killer. Um, um, the I-90 killer, um, who comes into this gas station and sees a rack full of Slasher Man comics. And, um, it kind of sets him off. You know, he gives him that old special feeling again. And he suits up and starts going out on another spree, um, kind of unbeknownst to uh, Todd. Yeah. I mean, you don't really know if it's the original guy or like a copycat. Yeah, we don't really know that really until the end, I guess. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, he starts like thumbing through these Slasher Man, seeing just these like brutal murders and then um you know it, it cuts forward and the our group of heroes is driving along and they driving along <laughs> driving along uh well these these three kids get they're 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 driving along and they hit something that uh pops their tire and while they're off on the side of the road acting like knowing how to change a tire is something only mechanics know. Um, like seriously, I stopped and I asked you, I was like, do you know how to change a tire? And she's like, I've learned how, but I've never done it. I was like, okay, but you know how, Yeah. like it's not some foreign thing. Yeah. No, I mean, like the, the most complicated thing I can think of, uh, in changing a tire is operating the jack. Yeah. The concept of changing the tire itself is not difficult. No. Like, I feel like even if you don't know how, you can kind of stumble your way through it. Yeah. Anyways, they just sit there and cry until this car pulls up or this van pulls up and gets out. And this guy, he's got a um, welding mask on. And so they're all freaked out. And they're like, it's okay. You know, we just called our friend. And he's going to come pick us up. And the guy's like, phones don't work out here. And so they're like, don't worry, it's okay, go away now, mm. and get back in their car. And he like, no, thank you. This guy's just like, <sighs> and he like psychs himself up, and then he just runs up and opens the door and starts stabbing this kid. And I was like, why didn't you lock your fucking door? <laughs> yeah. But these just, kids were clearly stupid. Yeah. But he just goes nuts on this kid. Oh, he just savages him. Like, I, I couldn't even keep count of how many times he stabbed him. No. And then, like, the girl tries to get out, and he stabs her in the leg. And she just, like, pulls free and just, like, 
gets this huge slice up her leg. Mm-hmm. But cut to our group of heroes are driving along and they notice like the there's a um, road stoppage. The, the cops have the road all blocked off. And as they drive by, the, the tarp that they're using blows up and they see that these three kids are all like tied together, which was one of the kills in uh, one of the Slasher Man comics. The triptych. Yeah, the triptych. Oh, I skipped over the, the radio interview. That was yeah. before this. Yeah. So Todd goes on the radio with this DJ who was apparently the guitar player from Alexis on Fire. Okay. Uh, just some pissant little radio station, or even if it is a radio station, just some no-name DJ out in the out in the stick somewhere. Yeah. And he didn't even want to do the interview. Yeah, apparently this guy has just been, like, hounding them to, to do an interview with him. Right. And uh, what was her name? Aurora set it up. But he's doing this interview, and the, the guy starts kind of you know basically he starts out giving him just these regular questions like you know about slasher man and stuff and then he kind of flips it on him and he says you know this this little girl was i i knew her and she was one of the i-90 killers victims and then they they take a caller and the caller is like one so one four eight or one eight just, he, he reads he, he reads off a series of numbers yeah and todd starts doing all this research and he Initially finds out or thinks that it's Bible verses, which doesn't make any sense to me. Because there's three numbers. Well, there's there's three numbers, but no like book. Yeah, like uh, he doesn't say like you know he, Todd. He opens up the book. He opens up the Bible to Revelations and looks up or you know Revelations <laughs> and and pulls up you know one twelve thirty five or something like that. Whatever whatever it was that this guy said over the phone. And it was something about being like reborn or, yeah. know, um, you know, like uh, rising from the dead or something like that. Something that seemed like it could have been relevant. Sure. But I don't understand how he just like, oh, he must be talking about revelations. Yeah. Cause he just like Googled the numbers. Yeah. And that was what came up was this Bible verse. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, how did it based on just three numbers? How did it come up with this specific verse? Yeah. And then he tries to do it later on in the movie. And it's just like, what What are you basing this on? You can't right. just open up the book and be like, oh, yeah, that matches what I'm looking for. Right. It's like looking for, the, looking for the word and in a book. It's like, oh, <laughs> that must be the one I'm looking for. But, I mean, pulling the curtain back a little, he actually he was talking about the comics. And it was the, the year, the edition, and the page number. Right. And he was actually, like, telegraphing his murders. Because the first one was the triptych. Right. Um, let's see. What else can I give away? Um, so he goes and does the signing in New York. Yeah. And there's just all these really creepy people. And this guy, like this one guy comes up and he's got this model truck. And he's just like, Slasher Man is my life. He's my idol. He's my hero. <sighs> and he's got inside this toy truck is just like these mutilated little dolls and uh, this is Todd gets a phone call from the same guy at, at the same point. And he's like, we got to go. <laughs> and somebody slashes his hand because people are just holding weapons in line. Yeah. Like the whole thing is just super creepy and weird. Yeah. Like there are these points where he's like very 
um, disoriented. And it kind of does a good job of making you feel that. Like the yeah. camera kind of spins a little bit. There's a lot of uh, like neon lighting. And um, it's disorienting because, especially when they're talking about the killer, it jumps into these animated scenes that are kind of representative of, uh, of uh, um, comic book frames. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, I don't know if you want to talk about these these the flashbacks. flashbacks, yeah. I mean, not too much, but yeah, he keeps having these flashbacks to him as a little kid on Christmas and his mom, who was Gail's cousin, Rosie. Great fucking gal. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to give away more than that, but um, I kept wondering where those were going because they were so short every time. Yeah. And, you know, throughout the whole movie, you're starting to wonder, it's like, you know, is, is he like secretly the you know was he secretly the, the killer or was his dad the killer or something right um and he, i mean you don't like really know things where he kind of blacks out and like becomes the killer or yeah like and he even, doesn't even know he's the killer and even explicit it's not even explicitly said that that's him and his mother um that's you true. just kind of assume it is um but uh yeah yeah so the, i mean there's just this killer who appears to be following them, appears to be watching them and is clearly just acting out these kills from the slasher man comic. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Yeah. Um, that wasn't bad. I thought it was pretty good. It's I, I'm kind of surprised looking over other ratings because it's not doing well. It's not. It's not high art, and even though it's not high art, it's not especially well developed. Um, but it's 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 fun. It's 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 a it's a fun romp. It's paced very well. Yeah, like there's not like a whole lot of lulls or like moments where you just kind of check out. Like it it keeps things moving pretty well. Yeah. Um, I I kind of got over the use of color real quick though. There's like a lot of like, like Tony was saying, you know, neon lighting and there's a lot of pinks and greens. Yeah. But they're at like very specific moments. And so it, it almost gets to the point where you're, you can telegraph what's going to happen based on the color on the screen. Yeah. Um, they, uh, <clears throat> I felt like um, some scenes were kind of underdeveloped. Um, especially like <laughs> it's gonna sound weird. Like the kill scenes seemed a little too quick. Yeah. Um. You know, it's fine if you want to do that like once or twice, but when you're doing it like basically all of them, it's just like why even bother? Like the most drawn out one was when he attacks those kids in their car, and he, you know, he, he just climbs in and starts savagely stabbing that guy. But then, you know, the driver, the girl gets stabbed. God damn, hold on. The girl gets stabbed in the leg and she kind of gets out of the car and starts trying to crawl away. And as we're watching her crawl away, we can kind of see the car from the outside, like rocking back and forth. And we can hear the guy, you know, kind of 
sputtering his last few breaths and the girl in the back seat screaming because he assumes she's probably the next victim. Um, but, you know, not that you really need to see the violence on screen, but when you see, when you hear a title like Random Acts of Violence, you expect to see some, like, savage violence on screen. Um, and it just didn't really happen a whole lot. A lot of stuff was off screen. Um, I mean, the, the one kill at the picnic table was pretty violent. It wasn't particularly gory, but it was violent. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is a pretty good amount of gore in this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially compared to the rental. Um, yeah, there there was... There, there was no shortage of, like, seeing the aftermath. Yeah. You know, like the triptych. Um, there's, a, you know, a decapitated head. Um, you know, a lot of disemboweling. Um, but you don't really see it happening. True. You don't see it afterwards. Which, yeah, maybe this makes me sound like some kind of sadistic, sick bastard. I don't know, but it's like, I, I guess I just expected a certain tone from this movie. Or not tone, um, but certain content from this movie. And I feel like a lot of it was just done off screen. Maybe for, you know, budgetary restraint or constraints. I don't know, but I don't know. That's just me. I see a lot of people saying that it's preachy, that it's very like, you know, um, like the dangers of violent movies make violent people kind of thing. That no. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Like it's it's not like this is the first movie about like a killer copying a work of fiction, although it's not actually a work of fiction. It's, you know, based on a true thing, but yeah, I mean like the To explain it kind of gives away the ending, so I don't I don't really want to do that. But it, I'll sum up and say that he's not. Well, he is copycatting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this without giving it away. <laughs> um, I mean, this particular subject. But I'll just suffice it to say that he's not. The comic didn't breed the killer. It's it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, we, we said the comic is based on a real killer. Yeah. And it's... I just... I didn't get any... At any point in this movie that they were trying to portray violent movies breed violent people. Because it would seem really weird to be like, oh, the message of our very violent movie <laughs> is that violent movies cause violence <laughs> in the real life. Yeah. I mean... I think the only thing that might represent that is to where they're talking about how the this serial killer kind of became like a cult hero. Yeah. But that's nothing new. I mean, people people root for Jason, people root for Freddy, people root for Leatherface. Like you root for villains because that's what you do in a horror movie. Like you're looking you watch a horror movie to watch people get slaughtered, you know? Yeah. Say you watch a you watch a romance movie to watch people you know trying to fuck trying to fuck, <laughs> uh, and you know there there are reasons you watch certain movies and that's why you watch horror. You watch to watch horrific things, or at least slashers movies in particular. Yeah, 
Um, it's nothing new, and, and the idea that it that you know, by and large, that a a, a, a slasher film will breed more real life slashers is just absurd. I mean, this is an but, argument but, that's been argued argued for decades. So right, but did you did you ever? F- feel while watching this that this movie was trying to make that point no that whole message that whole element of the story was very muted yeah i mean it, it was like I said, there it, but it like was prominent it wouldn't make sense to me if your point was to say that violent movies cre- create real world violence to make a very violent movie with that message that that didn't, doesn't make any sense to me and think about who made the film do you think that jay hard right jay <laughs> Do you think Jay Baruchel, who, like, well, did he, he didn't co-write This Is The End, did he? I don't think so. Doesn't matter. But do you really think Jay Baruchel would write a preachy movie, for Christ's sake? Have you ever seen a Jay Baruchel movie? <laughs> no, that was written by Seth and Evan. Was it? Okay. Um... Yeah, I just I don't think that it was that nuanced. No, I think it was just like a fun slasher based on a comic book. Yeah, um, and if that message is supposed to be there, then it's probably from the comic book. So this is a it's a one shot gra- graphic novel. Are you it's like telling me or asking me? I'm just I'm I'm reading it here on oh, the okay. Wikipedia. Okay, so I mean, just from the the brief synopsis of that comic, it looks like in the comic, whereas in the movie, there's you know you're you're speculating whether or not this real life killer has you know taken up his work again because of this comic book. In the comic book, like the the source material, it looks like this was a was a created character, and then somebody starts copycat copycatting the, the story. Okay, so in the graphic novel, the comic is not based on a real person. It seems that way. It, I mean, it's not a very lengthy uh, synopsis, but <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty good. Um, it's uh, I don't know. It seems like it could have used a little punching up, but I mean, if it well, it's got three point five million budget, so I mean, that's I guess it's still considered a low budget. Yeah, even still, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, I feel like they could have. I don't know. I feel like the ending was kind of a not a cop out, but just I did not too like clean. the ending. I did not like the ending at all. It just it just kind of ended, and it's just it. It's kind of like when you know if you're writing something or if you're doing some kind of job of any sort that's taken a long time, and you just want to be done, and you're just kind of like, yeah, let's just let's just put a period on it and call it good, right? 
It was that kind of ending. It seemed like it was just over really quick. That not a lot of thought went into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be my biggest complaint is I, I did not care for the ending. Um, like the whole last scene was all just like so contrived. And, yeah. Anyway. guess that's... Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't bad at all. Um, I mean, like anything else, there were things that I would have done differently, but it's not my movie, so... Right. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll give it a seven. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven, too. I had already decided that before you said it. Just, just not, not copying you. Sure. Sure, Taylor. Uh, this is a Shudder film. So if you have Shudder, like you already should, because it's only... I guess they it's just... Six dollars now. God damn, trying to pick our pockets. Seriously. Seriously. I like how in the me- email, though, they're like, but we put Color Out of Space on it. I'm like, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Um, and I'm paying for it twice. Like I've, because they haven't done like cross platform stuff. Like if I want to, so I've got the app so I can watch Joe Bob. And that's pretty much the only reason. But then like, if I want to just watch a movie like this, like I've, I've got the channel on Amazon, but I have to pay for both of them. And that's my own choice, but yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't seem like you have to. <laughs> no, but and it's like I can I can cast it to my TV, but I'd rather just be able to just turn on my smart TV that has that feature on it and just be able to watch it without having to fuck around with my phone. Is there not a shutter app on your, no, your TV? Not. Oh, really? Which apparently there a lot of TVs do. Actually, I think it's just Roku TVs because you yeah, have. Yeah, I, I have Roku TV and it has a Shutter app. I'm pretty sure it's just Roku TVs that have a, has a Shutter app. What brand is yours? Uh, it's a Samsung. Like oh. what OS does it run? It's, it's just a Samsung OS. Yeah. Oh, it's the fucking Samsung TV. <laughs> I didn't know they had like their own smart TV OS. Uh, I fuck, fuck if I know. I don't know. Um, it, it has like every other app, <laughs> like. You know, day one, it had a Disney Plus app. So I don't know why it doesn't have a fucking shutter. Does it have an HBO Max? Yes. Fucking Roku can't get this shit together with HBO Max. That shit kind of shit is so stupid and childish. Yeah. Something else just came out, too, that Roku was like, or they were like, fuck off Roku. I can't remember what it was. Something that I wouldn't actually use, I think. I mean, you know, you got stuff like competitors that just don't want to shill their competitors' stuff, which to a degree is understandable, but if people are paying for it, then what the fuck does it matter? I I think that's what it is, because Roku, this is, I don't know how we got talking about this, nobody fucking cares, but um, (laughs) Roku started, like, making their own content. They have the Roku channel now. I think, okay, I think you mentioned that. And so, like, HBO Max and these other companies are like, you're now a competitor. Mm. Oh, so it's more on the HBO side. That As, that's from what I understand. Yes. Mm. Unless it's just Roku pointing fingers. It's like, it's not my fault. It's their fault. Um, I think Roku wants like a stupid percentage or something. 
you know, like this kind of shit happens with like like Dish Network or uh, DirecTV. Um, you know, actually, I think it's mostly with Dish. But you mean like once every two years when they're like save AMC? Yeah, 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 and it's all it's always AMC because AMC wants to or it's a Viacom or who you know whoever owns AMC and you know at large um, and all the other channels that go along with it. They want to sell it to these distributors, you know, Comcast, Dish, all all the all the people that provide cable of some of one sort or another. They want to sell these channel packages right. to them and say, "Hey, if your customers want this channel, they have to pay for all these channels." And Dish especially is just like, "Fuck you, we're not doing that because <laughs> we'll lose cl- customers if we try to pull that shit." And so, yeah, you'll see things like, like I said, it's almost always Dish because they're pretty hard-nosed. Um, that uh, Yeah, Comcast is just like, oh, yeah, your bill's going up. Pretty much. <laughs> Fucking Comcast. But Comcast is, in my experience, the most reliable. Yeah. Internet and cable. Like, it almost always works. Whereas Dish will drop out. You know, is DSL even a thing anymore? I don't think so. But, you know, other forms of high-speed internet. Um, they'll drop out all the time. Comcast, to their credit, is always consistent. Like, I rarely have an outage. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing that surprised me the most was, uh, when, Di- was I don't know, my parents have had both Dish and DirecTV, I think. I don't, so I don't remember which one it was. But at one point, they stopped providing our local Fox affiliate. Like Fox TV, we watched like The Simpsons. Really? Yeah, because they had some kind of beef with the the, the dis- distribution company that provides Fox. Or was it bon- Bonneville Media? Was that who was doing it? I don't know. Um, That's crazy. I didn't think you could do that with like local channels. Yeah. It's like shit you just take for granted because you can get it with an antenna. Right. <laughs> now you suddenly can't watch it. Um, Yeah, I know there's always... You know, they're like, oh, yeah, well, if, if you want that channel, it's going to be an extra $40. But don't worry, you'll also get, you know, all these Latin channels. Like, I don't, I don't want any of that. Yeah. How about I give you five bucks a month and just get the one channel I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've we got, like, the basic package before it starts getting into, like, all these little incidental channels that we'll mm-hmm. never watch. Um, and... You know everything else that we would watch, like like HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, those kind of things. We have the the Amazon channels, so we can because we don't we wouldn't just sit there and just watch Cinemax all day. You know, right. <laughs> we'd watch a movie, right? So yeah, it's I don't know. Maybe it's not as cost effective. Who knows? But I don't know. The less money I give Comcast, the better. Yeah, I usually like you know every time it's oh you're contract is up i'm like all right what's the what's the new deal i'll change to that mm-hmm. yeah yeah we signed up for um <laughs> when we first moved in together we got um a deal through her company because she, we actually didn't have cable at first we just had internet but we had like business class internet because she worked from home and her company paid for it then when we when she changed jobs we had to get our own package and we signed up under her name because we already had an account and they gave us like this two year package deal. It was, you know, relatively 
good uh, price-wise. Then that ended, and so we signed up under my name to get the package again. Then that once that expired, it's like, okay, uh, so what do we do here? I'm like, well, this is your new price. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for me. Right. Like, I'm going to have to look for other providers. I'm like, oh, well, we can give you this deal. All right. We can do that. Yeah, it's usually like if you sign a you know two-year contract, you can have better internet for less price. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. And the only reason we got cable is that for some fucking reason, it's cheaper to get cable and internet. At least it yeah. was at the time. Than it is to just get cable to get internet. Do you guys have a home line? No. No. I I think so. You guys, you guys have a landline? Yeah, because it was cheaper. (laughs) And they don't. I mean, when I tried to do it, that you couldn't do but two. It was one or three, unless you paid separately. Really? Yeah. Huh. They they have the triple play. Yeah. See, I mean, they had the cutesy names like the single play, the double play, and the triple play, which was internet. Cable internet and then cable internet and phone. I swear there was no there was no double when I tried. I mean, maybe who who knows? It the triple play could have been ch- cheaper than the other two at you know at the time that you paid for it. Who knows? Anyway, we're yeah, cut all that. We're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's it. That's all for the episode, guys. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another new one for you, Taylor. What are we going to be talking about then? We're going to be talking about Spree and the Pale Door. Ooh. Although I just found out that one of Lisa Ovies' friends worked on the Pale Door, so we might change it. Uh, we don't want to support her in any way, even <laughs> if it's just her friends. <laughs> Hear that, guys? You can't be friends with her. <laughs> She's bad company. <laughs> she keeps poor company. I remember when I was dating this Christian girl who dumped me because she thought I was like a bad influence. Which you probably were, right? No. (laughs) I don't want to get into it. (laughs) Especially with my wife sitting there. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So catch up with us in a couple weeks, guys. Until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever podcasts are found. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And of course, if you want to contribute to the show monetarily in exchange for some exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast. Don't forget graveplotfilmfest.com as well. Yeah. Keep up to date on the goings on there. Yeah. I mean, this is when things really start to kind of pick up speed as far as that goes, you know, with fundraising, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Keep your eyes and ears open. I think the guy who won best film in 2018, 2019, uh, submitted today. Really? Yeah. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay, guys. So we'll see you on the next episode. We won't see them. Hopefully not see them. Don't come to my home. (laughs) We'll talk to you next episode. We won't do that either. You'll listen to us talk. Listen to call in. Don't get to be part of this show. We don't want your opinion. (laughs) Okay, until next time, guys. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Sex and violence.